11 o'clock comics episode 69 oh you gotta do the woohoo i did that was a woohoo yay 11 o'clock comics It's time. We gotta fill this up. Yeah. That was just me coughing. Just got the con crud. Con, con crud. Oh, yeah, con, con, I got the crud on, on episode 69. All appropriate. I've been inoculated by radiation. Yes. So I don't get I just get the big diseases like cancer. <laughs> But you can't test and let's tell a bad dude. You can laugh. That's cool. I don't care. Oh, yeah. Laugh it up. Yeah, laugh in the face of death. I do. I mock it. Fuck you, Thanos. You don't know what you're talking about. Do traditions flame. What is that line from Khan? What? Khan. Wrath of Khan. Wrath of Khan? Oh, I just remember Khan. You don't want to be like Christopher Plummer's Klingon and quote Shakespeare? I just remember that crazy leech thing that was in Chekhov's head. And Paul Winfield, yeah. Which showed up in the uh, Abrams movie, too. Oh, did it really? Yep. Sweet. Oh, I'm sorry. Spoilers. I can't wait for that to come out. It's going to be awesome. Did you see it in the theaters? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, look at this. Post-Wizard World... Oh, I'm sorry. Post-Chicago Comic-Con... Episode yeah. of 11 O'Clock Comics. I am Vince B, and it is raining like a bitch out here. We had I'm, flash I'm, flood before, but I'm sorry. See, I'm already stepping over shit. I know. Well, see, you, you don't show up for a week, and they forget about you, start <laughs> stepping all over your part. And I was waiting for uh, people to talk about all the comics that they recommended, thanks to Chris. <laughs> but thanks to me. <laughs> I'm I'm Chris Neesman, and I learned a lot about myself at Chicago Comic Con this weekend. Especially how not to spell Chicago. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I I learned I learned that I hate children. This is uh, just talking to to different people uh, that I'm drunk all the time. It was uh, it was very enlightening. I had fun. <laughs> we, you didn't need Chicago. We could have told you that. <laughs> That's very true. I'm uh, I'm David Price, and I'm. Uh... Glad to be back another week with my boys. Yay. Nice. And I, of course, am a kindergarten teacher, and boy, am I horny. Nice. A little bit of continuity. I love it. You are not a horny kindergarten teacher. You are Jason Wood back in the house. Yeah. And as usual, this episode of 11 O'Clock Comics is spiggity sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service. That's DCBService.com, the place where you can get huge Metroplexian discounts on your favorite books and all other assorted comic-themed bric-a-brac that's available in the previous catalog, 35 45 50 75% off your favorite stuff, DCBService.com. Check them out because they are the absolute best and Zach Crucy is a sweetheart. That's all I must say. Zach's awesome. Yep. One of the happiest guys I know. He may parallel Pat Loika as just one of the always smilingest, happiest, go lucky guys I know. True. He is a skeptic, oh. though. 
Yeah. Well, I'm just he's skeptical, but he's always happy. He's happy in his skepticism. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a happy I'm, skeptic. An- another yeah. guy, another guy who's always happy that uh, that we got to hang out with a little bit this last weekend is Will Pfeiffer. I've never been around Will when he is not having a, a huge smile on his face and just uh, just really really happy. Which um, leads me to um, the most douchebaggery thing I did this weekend, Vince, and it involves you. I didn't recognize anything douchebaggery, but what was that? Will gave me a copy of his Late Nights at Kinko's. Oh. With the instructions of give this to Vince before he leaves for home. Uh, I was like, no problem, Will. I will. You can trust me to get the job done. And I didn't because I just pulled it out of my bag. And I was like, oh, damn, Will's going to kill me. That's so uh, be expecting a package to uh, arrive on your doorstep by a, um, a uniformed employee of the custodian. The- custodian person right right right. you know will's really cool and the thing i like best about him aside from his brilliant mind is when he smiles he gets little tiny upside down U's, like his eyes get all squinty he's got this really neat smile and you just like he's, it's infectious you're Did looking it at him you feel thinking, funny oh it made me feel happy <laughs> yeah he's a good guy and what did he say to you after he talked to me vince is really quiet <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, you right. know, yeah. yeah. Or, uh, I think when people first meet you, they're shocked. I, I was shocked. <laughs> Usually, what people say to me after they meet Vince is, "Is Vince mad at me?" Yep. <laughs> no. Never even met you before. <laughs> I'm a little guarded. What I do to piss Vince off? Just a little guarded. That's all. I don't put the lampshade on until I, <laughs> I get to know you a little bit better. And, and, and when meeting, you're in the privacy of your own home, listening on Skype. The privacy. I like that. You like that? It was for you, buddy. Because <laughs> this completely naked. Yes. No, mm. I'm not. So let's do this drink roll call and then jump head first oh. into what yes. we got to talk about. Well, Vince, why don't you lead us off this week? Diet Pepsi next. Uh, Jason? It's not my proudest moment, but um, I, had, <laughs> I had a house, <laughs> of, house full of people uh, here this weekend. Uh, on back-to-back Saturday and Sunday, we had big parties, and we bought an ass load of liquor and beer. And my wife, under penalty of death, said she wants all of the bottled beer that wasn't consumed to be consumed ASAP. So I am drinking a uh, Bud Light with lime. Well, wow. at, least, at least it has a lime oh. in it. Yeah. I was gonna, not his proudest <laughs> moment. It's poor Jason having to drink the peasant beer. <laughs> well, no, it's just Bud Light. I, you know, I, train I, I or... not for drinking the light beer, but, you know. Yeah. You know, I thought he was going to say, it's not my favorite, it's not my proudest moment. I'm actually drinking a Dom 94, not the 92. <laughs> Out of a silk slipper. Dude, I would never drink by a Fade Dunaway. Come on now. <laughs> uh, David. Uh, Red Stag and Ginger Ale. There you go. You're going to get bonus points again for the Red Stag. Hey, wow, man. you... You know, I gotta go Twitter it so this way Jim Beam knows. There you go. <laughs> you know, I actually uh, I had the uh, uh, Red Stag and Ginger Ale this weekend, and it was bec- uh, oh, I, I I loved it. They, you know, the Red Stag actually um, with the Ginger Ale, I would probably prefer just a straight bourbon because the Red Stag has an even heightened amount of sweetness yes, in it yes. because of the the cherry flavoring. And with the ginger ale, ginger ale is always already kind of a you know a sweet a sweet soda anyway. Um, so it was it was a tad sweet for me, but it was still it was still tasty and refreshing. But the ginger ale I had um, Tony Moore and his wife Kara 
were awesome enough to uh, bring up a six pack of, of that uh, AL eight or AL eighty one. I think mean, it's AL eight one, and it's a, a ginger ale from Kentucky, and it was really really good. When I think of Kentucky, I think of Rick Pitino, and I think of three thousand dollar abortions. <laughs> that was health insurance, Jason. Health insurance, oh, 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 which, bad. which you know, if it was if it was uh, nationalized health insurance, we wouldn't have a problem with this, would we? Wouldn't have to pay off your hookers. <laughs> um, go ahead, go ahead, Vince. Yes, tell the story. <laughs> this is really funny. <laughs> oh yeah, it's funny. Yeah, funny for you. <laughs> We're talking to Scotty Young, right, at Scotty's little booth, and Scotty's all set up, and he's got all his original drawings out, and and he's in con mode, and we're having fun with him, and and he goes, Chris, what's that under your arm there, buddy? And Chris goes, Oh, it's this ginger ale that Tony Moore and his wife gave me, and he picks a bottle up out of the out of the six pack, and drops it <laughs> on the con floor, right, right, right in front of Scotty's, table. right in front of Scotty's <laughs> table, so. This year, they cheesed a little bit on the uh, accoutrements at the convention. There were no carpets on the floor. It was solid concrete. Wow, really? Yes. So the bottom, should It should have shattered. Should it, have shattered. It, sh- it should have. So I'm standing there, and I hear <clears throat> the bottle cracked. And all of a sudden, <clears throat> the shit starts leaking out of the bottle, right? So Chris is like, he looks at me and goes, fuck. So he, he turns, <laughs> and he takes the bottle. And je- as it's sizzling and the, the, the foam is coming out, and he gently slides it under Scotty's table. And Scotty looks at me with the cookie eyes and goes, don't put that shit under my table. And the stuff is like, if it exploded, there would have been ginger ale all under Scotty. So Chris is like scrambling for, for paper towels. And in the meantime, Scotty just looks at me with these eyes like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> yeah, because Scotty couldn't actually see what was going on. But yeah, I, I managed to pretty much douse the entire floor in front of his booth with ginger ale. It was funny, man. Yeah, and yeah. oh, it funny was- for you. <laughs> It was one of those moments like, that's our Chris. Gotta love him. I just wanted to hug him because he was kind of all embarrassed, you know, and he was scrambling for shit to clean it up with. But he did. He did. He did a good job. And he did clean up after his mess and left no after effects for anyone to fall in or he was a, a, a perfect janitorial representative. Well, as a, as a man who's throwing his own con in a, in a few weeks, I would expect nothing less. Yeah. Can you see the, the, the fan press? From uh, runner runner of uh, Windy City injures person at Chicago Comic Con related. Yes, you know? attacks per attacks person with glass bottle. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, were you the same guy that did that trick to Rob Liefeld? Was that you too? Oh, you man. know, you know, I was actually gonna 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 go off on that and do a whole rant about it tonight, but I think it's been handled yeah, pretty pretty well on the internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I think everyone that should have has pointed out that that guy was a douchebag and you should never ever ever go up to anyone an artist writer human being and ask for an apology for something that they've done that is in the the realm of subjectivity it, it it's oh i but but do you that, see this is a perfect illustration of how karma works People okay. scoff at me, they laugh at me because I believe in this stuff, but he set out to shame, ridicule, injure Rob Liefeld, and what happened? His negative vibes bit him on the ass, and he has generated more sympathy 
for Rob Liefeld in the fan press than the guy has mm-hmm. seen in many a year. You are right. You yes. Are right. So this is how karma works. You want to be an asshole? Go ahead. Go do it. But it's going to bite you on the ass. And I think this guy is getting everything he deserves. I hope he gets more, too. I you think know. it underscores something that, that our rights as fans pretty much begin and end with your choice to buy or not buy a product. After that, you're not entitled to anything, and you need to remember that. And that was terrible what that guy did. It was douchebag. But raising yourself on such a high pedestal that you demand an apology from someone for something they produced. Like, join the human race, buddy, okay? Yeah. You, come terrible. On. I'm not the biggest Rob Liefeld fan, but the guy has sold a hell of a lot of more books and made a hell of a lot more people happy than Douchebag in the Yellow Hat, who should really consider different headgear. <laughs> yeah, you well, I mean, it's, 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 it's not, not a very matter flattering. Of- it's not a matter of whether you like him as an artist or a person. You know, it's it's he's a human being, and you don't do that to uh, if someone off the street that I didn't know walked into my workplace and demanded an apology for the work that I've done. It's like, I mean, that's what that guy did. Right. Ridiculous. Well, considering I'm a big cable fan, I got to give the guy huge props. I'm not worthy, you know, genuflect at his table just for co-creating cable. He is one of the legends, like it or not. Hey, it's Dan again. Uh, you know what's awesome? Mark Bagley, the latest Batman that was written by uh, Chuck Winnick, had art by Mark Bagley. I mean, this dude, I swear, his pencils are just beautiful. The fight scenes he did with Batman, I mean, it's just, you can tell, yeah, you can tell it was Dick. Because it was more lean, he was smaller, he was more athletic. I mean, it was just—it's just awesome. And it's—I mean, I look forward to the Justice League run that he's gonna do with with James Robinson. But it's just fucked up how all the people that McDuffie wanted to use and he got told he couldn't use now James Robinson and Mark Bagley—they get to use all those people. You know, that's kind of fucked up. I still don't understand how they could how editorial they couldn't just give McDuffie a book that just was out of continuity. It didn't even have to be the main Justice League book. Just give him a fucking book out of continuity where he can just continue doing stories like he did in Justice League Unlimited. What the fuck is so hard about that? I mean editorial is just doing some I mean, I don't know who is the top or whatever, but the, the, some of them in D.C. Are doing some fucked up shit. Titans, I was enjoying Titans. You ran Simon Kiva off the book. Now it's a piece. It's just a piece of shit. There's no direction in that book right now. What the fuck is going on? I love the Titans, but I canceled all my Titans stuff. I mean, they have no direction in Titans right now. It's a piece of shit. I blame editorial for that. You're making a writer who's trying to set stuff up. You make it so that he doesn't even want to be in the book anymore. That's fucked up. Oh, whatever. It is what it is. Fuck it. Later. Hey, this is Daryl. You know what? You want to know how to do a, a, a fucking major book, a major event book, and do it right? 
so that even when you charge $4 for it, you get what you pay for, which is a good story. You look at Jeff John's Black as Night, issue one. Not that bullshit, secret invasion bullshit that we got, where you got little here and there, you got little storylines that may be fun, little fanboy fun little shits, and that's it. It had no heart. All it was was just to get you the darkest rain, dark rain, so you can buy a whole bunch of other books. No, 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 no. Black as Night, just that one issue alone made a bitch out of the entire Secret Invasion. Many. That's how you do a good book. You know, it had a heart in it. It 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 it, it started out with 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 a good backstory. It it, it made sense. It, I mean, just that one issue had so much going on with the memorial, with the with the heroes, and then with the guardian scenes, and then and then Hawkman scenes with with Adam, and 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 then Hawkman and Hawk Girl and what happened to them at the end. That's how you do good shit. That's how you write a good story. And Ivan Reese, he's a list. He's an A-list writer, artist right now. That's it. He this book should make him an A-list artist. This book is beautiful. It's drawn well. It's written well. This is what I'm talking about. Fuck you, Casada. This is what I'm talking about. Not that bullshit you're talking about. This is a good event book. Uh, wait a minute before we get into the little con uh, talk i have a an email well actually it was a, a message left on our blog that I, i'd like to read because it's pretty cool si alguno de ustedes sabe espanol lo que quise decir es que pertencio a un blog llamado mexico llamado comic corp que es de comics yes it was delivered in spanish by Mr. Dragon Azul. But what he's saying is, Hi friends, sorry for my bad English, I'm a collaborator of a blog named Comic Corp. This blog is Mexican. Comic Corp adds the 11 o'clock comics podcast in the Corpcast. The Corpcast is a section where we, co we collocate the best comics podcasts. And the URL is at comiccorp.blogspot.com. So this guy and his people think highly enough of us to include us in his core cast, which is cool. That is cool. So I just wanted to thank him. Thank you, Dragon Azul. You know what that means? Muchas gracias. Blue, Blue Dragon. Dragon. Yeah. Is that, so that, that, five, that five years of Spanish that you were talking about last week? From last week, Vince, thank you for uh, um, talking about mouthfeel. That, uh, that was during the drink roll call. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it wasn't I who brought it up. And we did have another post. <laughs> wow Gold, say what do you know? Wow Gold, buy Wow Gold, Wow Gold cheap. Yeah. Thank you very much for that. Sweet. I, always there are, get a, I think they're our biggest, our favorite. We must be their favorite podcast. They're, they, they, they're fans <laughs> from like episode one. The way they comment on every episode is just yep. they're, they're machines. They're staunch supporters. <laughs> Literally. They're, yeah. they're almost robotic. <laughs> almost. We love our loyal fans. Yeah, we do. Wow. That's what I should say drink. at the beginning of the... Uh, I shouldn't do woohoo. I should just go wow gold. <laughs> we could probably get serious sponsorship bucks for that. You never know. <laughs> Let's jump into the con. Chris, you want to want to lead us? Um, yeah, oh yeah, I kind of owe a public apology. 
I'd wow. been kind of, I've been slamming on Wizard for several months for what Damn. I thought was going to be a very mm-hmm. subpar convention, and I had a great time. I had a really, really good time at the show, and uh, something something I realized this weekend is that if you take out the big publishers, and you take out the big uh, exhibitor booths, the big toy and, you know, uh, movie and video game booths, and you take away maybe five or ten of the quote-unquote big-name creators, all of a sudden, the focus kind of comes back down to the main floor of the show. And if you take all that and put several thousand like-minded comic book fans in the same building, you can have a really good time. So it was it was a great retailer show. There were great deals there. I know a lot of the retailers did really well. Um, Artist Alley, because there weren't people waiting in line for three hours at the Marvel or DC booth for autographs, people were kind of forced to go, maybe for the first time at this show, forced to go to Artist Alley and really investigate it and hang out and have fun there. And so I know a lot of artists that were busy the entire weekend. You know, I heard it was uh, maybe not the greatest show money-wise for a lot of the folks in Artist Alley, but people were busy. Yeah, it was uh, it was good. I, I've kind of gotten to the point that I find most of my news online anyway, so I don't go to a lot of panels, like the, the heavy news panels, like the DC Nations or Cup of Joe, that kind of stuff. I'll, you know, I'll go to like a, like a Brian Wood panel or something like that. But uh, but most of the the big panels I don't go to anyway. So mm-hmm. uh, didn't go to one panel this weekend. But um, did some nice shopping. Got uh, on a limited budget. Got a lot of trades and got some nice uh, original art and just talked to a lot of my buds. So yeah, it was it was a good it was a good convention. Yeah, I thought I had a hell of a time. After the New York Comic Con, what did I say? I was going to socialize a little bit more, not spend all mm-hmm. my time in the in the bins. I did that this year, Good for and you. I have to admit, it did enrich my convention experience. See that hanging? And you with. look damn sexy doing it from some of the pictures I saw. That's enough of that. Good Thank on you, you, dude. You've really lost a lot of weight. You look good, buddy. Yeah, it's great. It's getting there. Hanging with my, I, I'm so pleased that I can actually call this dude friend, Scotty Young. And the same applies to all these people. Steve Bryant, Loika, and Wachter, and good old Andy Jewett, and who else did we talk to, Chris? Oh, um, Jeez, there were so many that... I'm, uh, a, I'm on a, I'm on a first-name basis with Matt Wagner. Oh, yeah, he is. He, he actually winked at you I, at one point when you were walking <laughs> away, didn't he? Ooh, really? I had, to, I, I had to call David on Sunday and say... I was going to say, David, dude, wait, wait, speaking of that, Chris, <laughs> did, you, did you call me this weekend? Yeah. Dude, you can, I could not tell who it was. I, it was. I heard someone say, "Call me," and I was like, "Who the fuck?" <laughs> and then, and then I, I looked at the number, and I, it, and, and I was like, I don't, "And so I, then I did reverse look up on the on the area code, and so it was, it was Illinois. And I'm like, "Oh, I'm like, I wonder if that was Chris calling me." I couldn't understand what the fuck he was saying. Yep, that was. It was like, "Wood, it's Neesman. Call me." Uh, I couldn't understand what you said. Sorry, buddy. I would have called you back. My bad. Yeah, so the, yeah, the the fun <laughs> the fun time started from moment one because I stayed with Andy Jewett, love him, Dave Wachter, and the Kramers, Sarah and Matt, in the hotel room. And there's a real weird mix whenever you put Sarah and myself together in a room. Not 
piggy like that. I'm talking like mm-hmm. with the cracks and the quips, and there was shit going on all weekend. Now, so, you said this exact same thing last year during the yep. recording, by the way. I'm sorry. It's the truth. She, no, no, she I'm had, saying so. It's It's got to be true because you, you, you yeah, said it last year, too. Yeah. She's got this weird sense of humor that, Click and we were we were singing like Satchmo and talking about jism and yeah it you had to be there but anyway we had a great time in the hotel room which spilled over onto the con floor I mean it was just one whole weekend of crazy con antics and there was Chad grilled cheese sandwich and his wife mm-hmm. wonderful Mike Sims and his wife. And El Dave was there. Uh, it, it was just like a nice chunk of the board transplanted into Chicago, and everybody oh, was green, just having green, a hell of a time. Green capped, green green capped. Cap, he's you know he's really cool. He's a thought, really nice guy. Yeah, really yeah, good guy. Yeah, and he's very tall um, too. Ben rushing all the way from Mississippi. Yeah, and Zach and Ben Teed. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. I had breakfast with pants. Yes, we did. Yeah, hilarious. Yeah, I heard pantalones. About that. Yeah, oh, that was cool. What prompted that? Um, How did you hook up with him? I emailed Peter and told him to forward my phone to Pants, and he'd call me any weekend if he wanted uh, to go out and grab a grab a drink or whatever. And uh, and he called me Thursday night whenever he got in, mm-hmm. and we uh, set up for breakfast on Friday morning. So I went out to the um, airport, picked up Vince, and then we. Went and picked up uh, pants and his friend Chris, and went and had uh, what what I hope is a pretty good breakfast for y'all. Actually, yeah. in the city. Yeah, I had coffee, but pants does love his bacon. <laughs> yes, he does. Oh, that wow. was good yeah. bacon. There was enough of it, but so, yeah. It, it, and then after breakfast, we hit the con floor. And yes, I did do a lot of bin diving. But you could stuff. Oh shit! Oh and yeah. It, if you like to shop for comics and you like to shop for cheap comics. The Chicago Con is the place to get it. They were blowing shit here. They were blowing shit out. By Sunday, they were giving the stuff away, and that's not exaggerating. There was a dude who on Friday was selling back issues three for a buck, which I partook in. Come on, I'm not stupid, but on Sunday, ten (laughs) for a dollar. Oh, I wonder if that's the same guy I went through that a couple years ago. Yeah. It's so funny because Vince was like a person at an all-you-can-eat buffet who had been <laughs> like at the at the buffet for three days straight and just literally couldn't fit anymore. He kept we were walking around on Sunday and he'd like look at something you'd see him go uh and I was like you have that he's like I can't fit anymore in the bag. I'm just, he's just like there's no way I can get any more onto the plane. Yeah, <laughs> I was like I, I'll ship it to you. And he's like I actually <laughs> had to put my clothes in my backpack on the way home because my suitcase was full of comics. I had a left wow. clothes. Well, I, just, I bought them for the con because my other shit didn't fit, so I, I needed I needed clothes. And uh, but I got volumes two, three, and four of Creepy from D, from DCBS. <laughs> nice. And, and so I'm up to date, and it was really good. There was no forethought involved, but it was really good for me that I actually did that because they took up a, a nice chunk of my luggage, and if I bought them last. I'd have to be lugging around 50, 60 pounds of books on the plane, which was so, so it was it was very <laughs> advantageous to me that I bought them first. What else did I get? I got Walton Skizix Volume One from wow. drawn, drawn and Quarterly, fifteen dollars, half price. I there was a dude selling trades five for twenty-five or six dollars a piece, and wouldn't you know it? Booth. I as I was scanning the spines looking for. Uh, booty, I come across the Dark Horse Richie Rich Anthology for no $6. Way. 
six dollars. The freaking thing is Sweet. out of print. Amazon Marketplace has it for like over a hundred dollars. Six bucks I got it for in mint condition. Awesome. Craziness. I got the endangered species premier hardcover for five dollars. Okay. Um Buana Spoons, welcome to Forest Island from Top Shelf for half price, fifteen dollars. The strip burger very happy with that. Yeah, speaking of Top Shelf, Stop Top Shelf and Strip Burger did a boxed collection of mini-comics, 13 mini-comics mm. in a box. Originally came out in 2004, I think, or 2006, for over $20, probably close to 30 I got it for 3 bucks. Still sealed, $3. Yeah, it was insane. Awesome. Uh, and as far as singles go, I picked out a lot of stuff. I'm two issues away from a complete... Death Watch 2000 run. Oh. Uh, I got Valeria the She-Bat, tons of cable, tons of X-Force to fill in the run. Vaughn Bodie, Cheech Wizard. Ooh. Oh, there was just so much to... Uh, I got a book that I had no idea. It's like Fantasia Phase 1, and the cover looked really interesting. And uh, it was sealed, so obviously I couldn't page through it. But I bought it for 50 cents based on the strength of the cover, turns out the interior art was drawn in 1977 by a Canadian dude we're all familiar with, Dave Sim. Wow. It's just little gems that I, I got. Eclipse Monthly, the entire run of 10 issues for 50 cents a piece. Jesus. Containing Marshall Rogers, Captain Quick and a Foozle, Doug Wildey's Rio. I mean, this is top-notch stuff. 50 cents a piece, mint condition. Six or seven issues of Aztec Ace. The entire run minus two issues of Puma Blues for 50 cents. Are you shitting me? No. I had the creator's rights issue, which was issue 20, I believe. You know, and I have I have always heard that Puma Blues is an awesome series. Oh, yeah. Yep. Never yes. read it. Never. I've read it digitally because obviously I didn't have the issues, but it's 50 cents a piece? How could I go wrong? So I scooped all those. I got, Wow. I should go through. I mean, the stack is here. It's crazy. I got a Basil Wolverton one-shot from Dark Horse. A lot of Neil Adams stuff. Like I said, a ton of continuity. Not just Death Watch 2000. I got Crazy Man and Megalith just stacking up on the Zero Patrol. If it uh, if it had a Tyvek cover, it was coming home with me. <laughs> yep. You know what? Let me just let me just give you. An, I got the Ashley Wood Spawn one-shot. Written by, I think, Steve Niles for 50 cents. Um, the Machine Man, Cable Annual. E, like I said, really? e oh, yeah, Dalgoda. I got the, f <gasps> let's see, I, I got Dalgoda 1 to 7 <sighs> for 50 cents a piece. Basil Wolverton's Planet of Terror. What do you mean, Wait, Jason? Abe Vagoda, 1 through 7? No, Dalgoda. A couple issues of Excalibur to finish out my run. A couple issues of Generation X drawn by Jim Chung. Oh, yeah. Real? And, and Jimmy Chung was there. Yes, he was. I should have had him autograph one, but I didn't. Uh -huh. Like I said. Uh, really really nice see. guy, by the way. Very nice guy. Oh, Captain Victory. Ten issues of that, 50 cent. Wow. Ralph Snart Adventures. I got a couple. Hey, Ralph Snart, Mark Hansen's great. Yes. I got some Gold Digger. Oh, just tons and tons and tons of stuff. Ton, too much to take home. And if they were smart, they would really consider getting a UPS or FedEx station within the con. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Con should have been doing that for years. Yeah. Be yeah, Absolutely. because if, if I could have turned around and shipped these things home, 
I would have came home with ten times the books that I did. You know what? I need I need to see if there's a UPS store or a Kinko's FedEx over by uh, where uh, Windy City's going to be. That would be great to give them a heads up. You're right. Yeah. It, it would. would be, I think there is a Kinko's FedEx over in the area. See, another advantage of having it in the city. Yeah, that is a good <laughs> idea for us because I was thinking about that. I haven't ever um, gone to a big con that's material that I didn't drive to or, you know, or... or be local, so I was thinking about if I buy a bunch of shit, how am I going to get it home? So it'd be cool. It's, it's yeah. like, that's that's one of the reasons Tom was so upset that he didn't go to uh, to Chicago this year's because it's where he it's his biggest shopping con right, right. for that reason that he doesn't have to put stuff upon an airplane and bring it back with him and mm-hmm. just put it in the trunk of your car or whatever. So I think Matt Kramer got uh, over a hundred Legion related issues for fifty <laughs> cents a pop. Good fam. There was even a point where I realized that I had too much stuff and I couldn't resist this oversized Dark Horse hardcover featuring uh, Taurus work. And so I bought it for five bucks. And I'm walking around and I thought, I I have no place to put this. So I I ran into L. Dave and L. Dave's like, whoa, that's really cool. So I said, Merry Christmas, take it. I I have no place to put it. Hey guys, it's uh, Jefferson. Hey, I just wanted to talk about something I just finished reading. It was uh, Johnny Ryan's new character, Parade, number three. You know, Johnny Ryan, um, Angry Youth Comics fame. Uh, Well, he's got a new issue of uh, New Character Parade out. And, of course, he brings his lowbrow, dirty, and often uncomfortable, but usually hilarious human death. Humor, definitely not for the kiddies to the latest issue. I mean, it features uh, strips like Erotic Art Collecting Squirrel, Obese the Fat Leprechaun, and my personal favorite, uh, Metaliban, Afghanistan's Rockiest Band. Uh, you should check it out. It's a uh, limited edition. Only 300 copies are made. You can get it at his website, uh, johnnyr.com. It's got a nice uh, letterpress cover to it and just uh, also uh, Vince was talking about uh, Steve Mannion last week uh, his uh, comic uh, Fearless Dawn well if you like that you should uh, check out uh, The Bomb a trade that came out uh, last year uh, collecting uh, his uh, comic The Bomb issues 1 through 4 uh, it's great. It's the goon meets Mad Magazine. It's everything Vince said. Uh, so check that out, too. Um, bye! As far as new books, I ran into a friend of the show who has his own comic, Jay Sternitsky and his brother Drew. They published a, co- a comic called Short Stack. Yeah, Tales- really good. It's really yeah. good. Tales of a Superhuman Plumber. It's it's right. a sur- <laughs> surreal, almost a cubist approach at telling comics. And I didn't read it for this week. I'm going to read it for next week because I'm excited. It's it's really a really fresh kind of take on comics. The the art's just spectacular. Well, that's exactly I, I, what it is, though, Vince. It's uh, Stranitsky's, the writer, his brother is actually, he's not a, a graphic or, or, uh, or comic artist. He's a fine, he's he's a, a fine artist. He's a fine artist, yeah. right. So he, but since he's his brother, he, he said, let's, you know, let's do the book. So you're right. It, it's as though getting a fine artist to tell sequential stories which I'm, I haven't seen it myself I've heard a lot about it though so I'd love to see it Yeah, there's a lot of value in approaching the medium not aware of 
quote how it's done. Mm-hmm, Taking mm-hmm. a nice, a nice fresh approach to to comics. Uh, to I think story that's Larry Stroman's new approach, actually. Oh boy. <laughs> <sighs> And, and I got Steve Bryant's sketchbook, which is awesome. One of the books I pulled out of the 50-cent bins, and I wanted to talk about it because it's particularly noteworthy. It's called The Cosmic Book. The feature artist of this book is Pat Boyette, and I adore Mr. Boyette's work. And this book kind of made my mind wander a little bit, and I came up with a, an idea for a new segment on our show mm. called Cartoonist Profiles. David knows what I'm talking about. In honor of the late Judd Hurd's long-running magazine of the same name, Cartoonist yeah. Profiles. I thought, hey, wouldn't it be a great idea to let people know about some, and I hate to say seldom seen, because Pat Boyette is far from seldom seen. But Underrated? I, I don't even Underappreciated? know. Underappreciated? Could be. But as time goes on, certain artists just kind of fall out of favor or because they've passed on, their work becomes unnoticed by the current crop of comics buyers. And that's what I want to do. I want to bring artists into the spotlight whom I think are worthy of attention. And geez, if there's anybody, it's Pat Boyette. His his stuff is fantastic. And there's another reason why I'm talking about this book, and we'll get to that later. And I have a challenge to all our readers after readers, yeah, wouldn't that be nice? All our listeners after this is over, I got a challenge, and then we're going to see who's up to it. But Pat Boyette is a Renaissance man, and he, in terms of art, the guy did everything and did everything well. Was born on July 27, 1923, in San Antonio, Texas. As a child, he performed in radio dramatizations, which afforded him a very valuable insider's view of broadcast production. So he took this knowledge he gained, being vocal talent, and became a broadcast journalist for WOAIAM. After a stint in the armed forces during the Second World War, in which he served as a cryptographer, so you know he's got stuff working upstairs. Very intelligent man. He became a TV news anchor in San Antonio. He also produced a paranormal-themed radio show called The Stendek Report, which focused on UFOs, cryptozoology, Zach, shut up, and related subjects years before anybody even heard of Art Bell. Uh, He produced a daytime talk show, a puppet show, and he was a TV commercial producer. So the guy was entrenched in television broadcasting, but while he was doing this, he started to do comics, too. In the mid-1950s, he wrote and drew a short-lived western theme strip called Captain Flame. And he eventually soured on television broadcasting. I guess it was kind of cutthroat. He uh, wasn't feeling like he would was able to express himself in television broadcasting. So he moved into movie production. Writing, directing, co-editing, and doing the music for a horror movie in 1962 called Dungeon of Harrow a science fiction comedy in 1962 called The Weird Ones, and he co-directed a war movie in 64 called No Man's Land. So I just want to show you that Pat Boyette was just not an illustrator. Television, movies, vocal talent, and he he wrote music, and he was a cryptographer. But after a few unfortunate financial-based incidents convinced Pat that he couldn't make ends meet from within the film industry, he decided to work on comics full-time, Much to all of our benefit, he submitted samples to the Derby, Connecticut-based publisher, David. Derby, Connecticut? Derby, Connecticut. Warren. No, 
but that comes later. Carlton or Charlton. Oh, tra- okay. I, I've, okay. I've always I have always said Carlton, but it's Charlton. Under managing editor Dick Giordano. Hey, see if you had said that, that, that would have been the connection. I wasn't thinking okay. of Derby. Okay. You want me to do it again? No. <laughs> In '65, uh, he submitted samples. A year later. And a few horror tales published in the company's Shadow from Beyond anthology, Boyette and writer Joe Gill created, I'll give you a hint, it was the basis for Alan Moore's comedian in Watchmen. Uh, the, the warrior? No. Um, the Peacemaker. Oh, uh, oh, duh, we're still Charlton. Okay, yep, yep. He was a hardline pacifist who used non-lethal weaponry to no. achieve his goals. You said, you said, who did you say? The did Peacemaker. Say, right, but no, who did you say the analog was in Watchmen? The Comedian. Okay, all right. That, that's what I thought you said. It didn't, <laughs> never mind. Go on. Red Stag, baby. Red Stag. Love Red Stag. So he's entrenched in, in Carlton now, or Charlton. See, old habits die hard. But uh, in 1968, Dick Giordano kind of pulled him in to D.C. to save the day during a nasty deadline crunch, wherein Reed Crandall, who was illustrating Blackhawk at the time, took ill. So Boyette jumped in, saved the day with, I think it was two issues of uh, Blackhawk and would have stayed at DC longer but he wasn't pleased with uh, Murray Boltonoff's editorial practices so he left DC and then he submitted work for Jim Warren at Warren Publications he did work for Creepy, Eerie, Vamprella and it was Rocky Mastrocerio another Charlton alumni who got Boyette to submit some work. So the guy's all over the map. He's a Swiss army knife of illustration. He was adept at convincingly representing a wide swath of genres and themes, including, now consider, one guy can do all this. Horror. He worked on the many ghosts of Dr. Graves, ghostly tales, ghost manor. He had this knack of walking that tightrope between light and shadow that you need when you do horror comics. The shadows are very important, and Boyette could push the shadows, these rich, deeply textured shadows like nobody else. He worked on science fiction books, strange suspense stories, space adventures, and Flash Gordon. He did western books, romance books for Charlton Love Diary and Secret Romance. He worked on the war titles. He did adventure titles with Korg 70,000 B.C., superhero titles, a long stint on The Phantom. He did Peter Cannon Thunderbolt. He even did funny animal comics with uh, Spencer Spook, for which was admittedly uh, a Casper kind of spooky knockoff. But, hey, he had to pay the bills. He even did fantasy books, Robin Red and the Lutons, one of the books that came out in the black and white boom that back then I would buy anything if it was black and white because, hey, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles hit. Maybe this will hit too. So I bought the book and I was enchanted by Boyette's work. It's like here is a master storyteller working on a book for a a small-time black and white publisher like Ace. Craziness. His work has appeared all over the comics publishing map. An impressive feat may even more amazing when one considers that he did not even begin his comic book career until he was 43 years old. Is that right? See? See, I still have a chance. Like Central uh, Page. Yeah. His exotic line and rich textured blacks have popped up in. He did the covers for First Comics, reworking of the Classics Illustrated line. Remember back when First was publishing the prestige format Classic Illustrated books? 
He did the covers for Treasure Island and Count of Monte Cristo. He worked with Saul Brodsky's Skywild Publications, near and dear to my heart. He did work in Psycho and Nightmare. He worked at Atlas and Seaboard. We, yeah, Weird Tales of the Macabre. He was in, and David, you should, uh, you, you've definitely seen his work then, because he was in the Anything Goes anthology at Fantagraphics. Mm-hmm. He did a bunch of issues of Blood of Dracula for Apple Comics. He were, oh, he, okay. With uh, remember, Hempel and uh, Wheatley? R- right. Remember okay. the uh, one issue of Blood of Dracula that came with the flexi-disc? I think I remember seeing the solicit maybe Amazing Heroes, but I never saw the issue itself. Great issue. Uh, he worked for Avalon. He did the Black Hood for Archie. Worked for Modern Comics. And, and this is why I, I uh, brought up the Cosmic book, he worked with Wandering Star Press and Ace Comics to publish the Cosmic book, which, while featuring two stories that he wrote and drew, it features a three-pager by Alex Toth, in which he professes his belief in extraterrestrials. I'm not going to bring up Zach's name again. Yes, I did. But <laughs> it features, and I've scanned the pages, and I'm going to put them up on the website in conjunction with the publication of this episode. It features the last two pages of science fiction art Wally Wood ever drew. Oh, that's very cool. Yes. That, that and is I, very I don't believe I've seen him reprinted anywhere else. Wally Wood did the line art, and Pat colored it and lettered it. And uh, Mr. Boyette, in in introducing the two pages, wrote a really touching couple paragraphs on Mr. Wood called Only Yesterday. I think I want to read it for you because not only is it touching, it gives us a a wider view into the the people that we love, These, these artists that, yes, we see their work, but do we know a whole lot about them? Mm, unless we can hear it from an insider, which Mr. Boyette was. He was a, a friendly dude. He liked to stay in contact with his peers. And in addition to maintaining telephone and written contact with such comic luminaries like the awesome Tom Sutton, Gray Morrow, Alex Toth, who appears in this magazine, Frank Thorne, and Steranko, Pat corresponded with Wally Wood. And this is what he had to say. I've never met Wally Wood. I guess he corresponded by uh, telephone and written communication. But in the months preceding his passing, I was made privy to some of his most intimate thoughts. The northern cold was extremely distressful for him, and he would spend hours on the phone trying, I'm sure, to distract from his physical discomfort. There were moments of good humor with sincere laughs. He'd hoped to record an album of country and western songs, and he sent me a tape. Hey, I was surprised, and I liked his singing. Drawing had become painful for him, and to have pressured him to that end would only have intensified his anguish. However, he suddenly was able to produce a couple of pages. I was delighted, and he was encouraged. I believe these were the last two science fiction pages that Wally Wood would ever do. A short time later, he called and said he could no longer abide the weather, and could he come to Texas? Pat Boyette lived in San Antonio. I assured him that he would be welcome. I never heard from him again. There was only that tragic word from California that Woody had elected to terminate his torment. We all felt the cold. As I lettered and colored these two pages, my thoughts were very much on Woody. The little Norseman had a true vagabond spirit, and his wandering star will move through our influences for many years because a comic book never looks so good as when it's got a touch of that woody flair. 
And that's what Pat had to say about Woody. Mm. So I've scanned the pages, and like I said, I will put them up on the forum, and you can get there at forum.bullpenbulletinspodcast.com or www.11oclockcomics.com. And uh, you can see these two gorgeous Wally Wood pages for yourself. They're not the finest Wally Wood pages I've ever seen, but as Mr. Boyette said, Wood wasn't exactly in the right frame of mind at the time of their rendering. But we got to be honest, two pages from Wally Wood, not exactly at the top of his game, is a hell of a lot better than the majority of work out there. Am I right? Yes, indeed. Oh, yeah. sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And back to the cosmic book itself. It features two front cover and back cover, fully painted by Mr. Pat Boyette. And I have to say, they are the most mind-blowing, psychedelic, just consciousness-expanding covers I've seen in, a, uh, in my time collecting. The guy was uh, what I consider a master painter. Beautiful, eye-searing color. There's this. On the front cover, it features this wolf-slash-spaceship with uh, a metal uh, muzzle clamped to its jaw, and there's this array of very colorful space characters riding its back, a ship in its sailing in its ear. There's uh, satellites and planets. It's nuts. You have to see it. And uh, the back cover features two mechanoid-type alien giants and another little tiny night alien on a horseback. It's totally unique to Mr. Boyette in his inimitable style. Amazing stuff. If you look closely at the robots, he did a kind of patina. They're bronze colored or brownish, but there's little flecks of green in, in the arms. Very, very fine attention to detail. It's amazing what Mr. Boyette can do. Some other things, points of interest on Mr. Boyette. Did you know that he provided creative feedback as did Steve Ditko and Bob Kaniger to none other than Paul Pope during the time he was working on the Ballad of Dr. Richardson for Dark Horse. See, wow. he, yeah, Boyette liked to stay in contact with his uh, contemporaries, and he saw Pope's work and noticed that spark in the boy, and he uh, gave him some creative feedback. Not only was he heavily involved in the uh, creative side of publishing, he was also deep into the production side. He tweaked the industry standard blue line coloring process into what was then called the gray line process, which, and Chris will back me up on this, involved shooting the black and white line art at 10% and transferring that image to a printing plate, and the colorist would work directly on the plate. So it provided a light gray base on which to work, and because the inks and dyes wouldn't stick to the plate, they would beat up and, and in some cases run. This necessitated the use of an airbrush, which led to a revolutionary color process, which was later employed by some dude called Matt Wagner during his time at Comico, and it was used on Elric at Pacific Comics, on P. Craig Russell's Elric comic. Uh. See? Pat Boyette. Six degrees of comic separation. Many roads lead to Pat Boyette. And unfortunately, he died of esophageal cancer on January 14th, 2000. And he will be very much missed. So in your internet travels, do a Google search for Pat Boyette and look at his work and give the man his due. He was a master illustrator, a very, very exotic line. He had that 
cocksuredness that Alex Toth has where it looks like it's very easy for them to do like they'll drop a line and it just looks perfect and there's no noodling it's it's all very immediate and well rendered and you can tell immediately upon looking at Pat Boyette's work that it's his he will transport you to other planets and other places quicker than most people most illustrators I know the guy was fantastic so here's my challenge to you listeners out there. If you have an artist that you love and haven't heard his name on this show and you think, golly gee whiz, this guy deserves some recognition, create your own comics profiles, whether you want to write it up and email it to us or record it and send us the audio file. We'll play it. Let's spread some love. Sound good? Yeah. Sounds great. And there are a bunch of dudes who we never hear from, but I'll leave it up to the listeners to decide who's worthy and who's not. Like, don't pick Jack Kirby. <laughs> yeah, because, not yes, he was the best and the granddaddy of everyone, but there's a lot of information out there on Jack Kirby, and a lot of people respect and admire mm-hmm. his work. Pick, By all means, though, pick Stan Lee, though. That'd be fine. Yeah, so I can delete the completely underrated. Yeah. <laughs> no, just kidding. Don't. Don't jump on Stan, right, Chris? Yes, because we got an email from a listener of the show who's also works in the industry that um, that said that we should lay off Stan because Stan <laughs> is awesome, and I agree with that particular person that that certain members of this crew give Stan a hard time. And it's not certain judge- members; it's me. Indeed, <laughs> it is. Yes, it is. It's me. I take full responsibility for that. Hey guys, great news. I told my wife what uh, Niesman said about uh, San Diego's a comic culture show, and my wife said that now I can go to recording of Around Comics when you guys have Stephanie Myers in the studio so that she can get an autograph. Um, so, anyway, get on that tarp right away. I know you really want to talk to her. So, thanks a bunch. Uh, bye. <laughs> So I have a question. It's actually more of an observation, but it's something that uh, uh, that that Vince's new segment is the perfect opportunity. I often think, oh, I want to bring that up, and I never can remember to. And then, so Vince's new, in honor of it being the cartoonist's uh, focus. I often, I often, you know, I guess when I'm talking about a person that draws comics, I often say that they're an illustrator. But it strikes me that the word cartoonist seems to be the highest form of flattery. That that, so I guess my question mm-hmm. is: Would you agree with that? And why exactly is that? In other words, why do I mean to the comic creators that are out there listening to us? And I know there's you know a couple at least. Do would you agree that being called a cartoonist was considered the highest form of flattery? And if so, why? And also, what other terms do you you know view as a positive way to refer to you? Or are there anything that maybe people call you that bother you? Like a does being called a penciler bother you you know is it not you know is it is it too demeaning of your overall artistic talents i'm just curious about that because i never really thought of calling a a comic book creator a cartoonist until a few years ago when i started to pay attention to the you know to the industry and stuff and 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 realize that 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 is really pretty much the best thing you can say about someone right yeah you have to be very careful with that term though because because that's what i mean it's 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 meant to convey like that they're better than average right no but i mean to us being within the 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 medium or the let's be honest the hobby cartoonist means one thing but if you talk to the layman or someone in the general public and you say cartoonist there's a totally different conception of what that entails 
Sure. Yeah. Well, no, I'm, but I'm talking about the industry. Like, in other words, the creators, in their mind, is being called a cartoonist. If you, if you draw comic books for a living, is mm-hmm. being called a cartoonist one of the, if not the highest, form of flattery? I talked to Andy Parks about this. Uh, this has been a couple years ago. And he said that... Um, that he had the opportunity to uh, meet Frank Miller out, I think it was in San Diego, one year, and went up and introduced himself. And I think it was about the time that Andy and Phil were working on on Green Arrow with uh, with Kevin Smith, and Frank knew their work. And he said, "Man, you guys, you guys are cartoonists. You get it." And and Andy it said that that's like one of the proudest moments in his life is when. Frank Miller called him a cartoonist, and Byrne has been the same way. He's said that you know after kind of years of trying to figure out what he does, he has finally decided that whenever people ask him what he what he does for a living, he tells them that he is a cartoonist because he thinks that's the purest. You know, I'm paraphrasing John Byrne's words, which are always dangerous, but you know that basically <laughs> it, it's the it's the purest form of what he does is right. is that he's a cartoonist. So yeah, I think. And as far as like you know, a major compliment for like a penciler, you know, I've heard of you know calling a guy an amazing draftsman or a master draftsman. That's um, something you'll hear like you know uh, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez is is a phenomenal draftsman. And so I hear that thrown around yeah. by by pencilers about other pencilers. When I think of the term cartoonist and the application of the term being met with joy, because like Chris said, what Andy said, to be a cartoonist or a successful cartoonist, you have to distill reality. You have to know what to put down and what to leave out. And if you get it, if you have that grasp of representation, you, you are you are wise enough to know what matters and what doesn't. Uh, Schultz, master cartoonist, his his caricatures of the Peanuts gang were very simple, but simple does not mean rudimentary. They simple yet effective because he put everything on that paper that you needed to see and left out anything extraneous that would just muddy the experience. Alex Toth is a cartoonist in my mind. Even though we think of Alex Toth as a, as a comic book artist, he, he, he knew what shadows meant something and what shadows would only trip the reader up and, and what lines would, would only cloud mm-hmm. his, his composition in this particular panel. So, yeah, it's, it's all about self-editing, really, well, let me ask on you the fly. Are, are there comic book illustrators that you think highly of that you don't think of as cartoonists? Greg Rand. Alex Ross. Well, no, you think highly of him, though? I, I respect his talents, but I yeah. don't think Greg Land's a cartoonist because he's the, he has no self-editing skills. Okay, well, how yeah. about someone like, I mean, I don't want to get controversial here, but how about someone like Alex Ross? Is he a cartoonist? I, I, w- I, would, I would refer to Alex Ross as, as a, a master illustrator, yeah. not a cartoonist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just a, a term, really. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, how much sequential work have we seen from Alex? Which exactly. Is, is, exactly. Yeah, which isn't really um, a requirement to being a cartoonist, because you could there there are brilliant cartoonists that do one panel strips, like right. Larson uh, for the Far Side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know. It's a tough call. I mean, we could talk yeah, about this but, forever, but, and I'm fully prepared yeah. to do so. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, no, I just always think about it because I guess I, I, 
I just was it's often I often think of it. It just seems that sometimes um, I'm just was curious, really, from the artist's perspective, do do they consider the term like as Chris alluded? If if they're called a cartoonist, does that make their day? I mean, yeah. you know, especially by other peers, do, is that pretty much the highest form of flattery? I would think so. so. I think it's yeah. up there. Yeah. 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 Eisner was a cartoonist. Absolutely. Absolutely. So was so was Jack, and Steve Ditko. It's. Uh, really difficult when you're staring at that expanse of white space to make that first mark and think god you know i know what i want to do and i i know what's what's needed to represent what i want to do to the the viewer but what do i leave in what do i take out do i do all the stipple on the bricks mm-hmm. do that's why um frank miller obviously is a cartoonist because if you look at sure. a lot of sin city He's like this graphic reducer. He boils everything down to just the necessary elements and lets you interpolate the rest in your mind, which is not only really effective because Mm -hmm. nothing is more powerful than what the human mind can conjure, but... He he makes it easier on himself by doing this wonderfully simple graphic representation, and it, it looks badass it looks great and it's a perfectly appropriate to that noir style he wanted to push so yeah I, let's roll i mean what else what else can we talk about in terms of how the process is done love it we're, we're, we're even a guy with gene colin who's incredibly cinematic still a master cartoonist yeah. so i you know i don't think it's i don't think it's about about distilling down to like this you know basic economy of line i would still consider gene colin a cartoonist see i don't know about that i i love the guy's work and yes he is a master comic book artist uh if if he had that cartoonist spirit his work would not be as difficult to ink as it is you know because there's not a lot of so george perez then no, I don't know. I think Perez is a cartoonist. Sure, he does noodle yeah. a lot, but he does get a little carried away. Yeah, sometimes. But I, I think Gene liked to. Okay, uh, you know, do um, over embellish uh, a little bit. R. Crumb, cartoonist. Mm-hmm. Okay, but still, Jacques? still incredibly hyper detailed with Crumb. I mean, you yeah. talk about noodling. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I have a jock. Oh, oh yeah. I would call so, him a painter. So you're differentiating oh, them. That's what I'm getting at. Like, oh, so you would. Oh, wait, no, Jacques from like the Losers. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh no, oh no, it's no. I I think cartoonist, absolutely. I, really? I think I think he's a fantastic storyteller with a with a graphic styling that we don't get treated to in in comics. I, you know, he does. He he may, you know break panels and do things with a with a design flair that we don't see in in other comics but i think it's about i think being a cartoonist is about telling a story and innovative page design can enhance your storytelling so absolutely all right how about let's flesh it out further he's a cartoonist with the soul of a painter because his well, work is because see, very I'm thinking painterly. of the term of like when I'm thinking of cartoonists, and I'm thinking of people that actually make cartoons, you know, that we would see on screen. And as I think of that, there are plenty of if you take that from the literal sense, there are plenty of act of people that actually make cartoons that draw extremely hyper realistic, and those that are very expressionist and yeah, very like minimalist. So I mean, like, yeah, yeah. So I'm saying, like, I don't see why it wouldn't the term then wouldn't also carry over into the the drawn form in the in the same way, right? I mean, just well, because then, it's on a printed page. 
Yeah, well, then you can say any everybody's a cartoonist who works in comics. But the, the, what is the defining characteristic of the, the term? What what is the right. the list of of items that are required to make this person a quote cartoonist? I mean, you and Marty are are definitely like penis cartoonists. Yes, we You're are. Cock-tunists. You're cartoonists. <laughs> you got to go lowbrow. We're we're, we're floating above liberating to talk about this stuff because I get involved in the process a sure, lot sure. and and I ask questions that you know maybe I, I shouldn't be answering a lot of times because it does distance me from experiencing the story when you get bogged down in how it's made all the time but I can't pull myself out of it because I do it and I love it and I want to know I want to define these have you ever read the comics comics blog Mm-hmm. Frank, uh, yes. mm-hmm. Frank Santoro asks a lot of these questions. Why does this work the way it does? And and what is it about this that makes us like it? And, and, and I ask a lot of the same things. Because once we uncover the mechanics of it, you know how the machine works, you're, you're more in tune with it, and you can see it coming. David, you've been awful quiet, and I know that you're usually one that you like the process of it all. What do you, I mean, what do you think? With me, it's kind of like a style thing. I, I, I look at, as I'm listening to everybody, and, and I'm, I'm kind of shifting my definition of how I see a cartoonist. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that um, and I, I could see, and I agree with Chris how, how Alex Ross isn't. And I agree with, with, uh, with Vince about Jock. And I think what it comes down to, especially when I look at comic strips or comic books and, and we mentioned Eisner, and he he definitely is it. For me, I think it has to kind of also convey, I think, a sense of motion, which is probably why I don't see Ross as right. A and that's why I brought him up, right? Because I think he's a great portrait. He, yeah, he's, 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 he's an illustrator. He's an illustrator. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah phenomenal yeah, illustrator. Beautiful, beautiful straight, portraits, but yeah, everything. But it, but it still looks static. It, it, mm-hmm. it, there's not much. There's some great depth to it. Maybe you can you mm-hmm. can feel it, but there's not there's not much going on so um yeah a, a single a single image can co- convey motion yes it can which is yes, what, and, and, and when you say gary larson or i mean or right. even or or you know the jsa covers though it's not like just because cyclone's skirt is up in the air it's still not making me like okay you know i, I don't have I don't feel anything from there it still it still looks like a snapshot it doesn't look like anything mm-hmm. it just mm-hmm. it's kind of flat so yeah, I uh, agree with you. I mean, in, in the sense that um, his name's escaping me. Is it Mauro Cassioli, the the artist on the the Justice League? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, the, Cry for Justice. Yeah, I mean, he's he's clearly out of the Ross <laughs> school, and and I, I um, not to get get my own topic off track, but I just have to say, like reading those two issues, I haven't, I don't think enjoyed them as much as I may have otherwise, because to me, I'm looking at page after page of paintings that are telling. Almost like and, photos and, of a story. Happened. Incredibly intense people. Even yeah, when they're, yeah. jo- even when they're joking with each other. He's clearly a wonderfully talented artist. I mean, yeah. he, the, the, each individual page unto itself would make a beautiful poster. But I don't. I feel it's, like it's I'm looking at a It's got a European feel to it. Yeah. I could definitely oh, yeah. see I mean, this like in heavy metal or something. I mean, there, there's, a, there's a scene in there where uh, Ollie and Hal are basically joking with each other about Hal having a threesome. Yeah. Having a threesome and. The art is they're like scowling at each other. Yeah, it's like nice. it's not, it's not a light moment. Yeah, no, it's, it's like oh, loosen up. <laughs> well, apparently, the, the the new news is uh, what happens on the page following that with a statement that Hal makes to um, 
to Ollie about how he um he never really liked Bruce too much, but yet in Blackest Night Zero, he tells Barry that uh, Bruce was his friend. Too many cooks. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I would, I would, hey, I would you, see. You, you, I, hey, there are plenty of people I would consider friends, but I don't, I don't necessarily like them. like them all the time. Well, he could know? just be doing it because you know he wants he wants Ollie to feel comfortable around him. You know, listen, you know, yeah. we we both know, you know Bruce is a prick, and and then just you know appease his friends, and you're not going to tell Barry that you know somebody on the team is a dick. So and or it could just be you know editorial oversight. It happens. It, it that's but that's what's making the rounds at the moment. I I think looking at a couple of things, I I'm I'm kind of leaning towards him. I would um I'd really like to say Rick Leonardi's a cartoonist. Hell yeah. I, I and and it's also it's also a little bit of a style. Like when I think cartoonist, I used to think of a comic strip, and of course, you know that's going to look. But then I th- th- then I use the term you know cartoony, mm-hmm. and and I don't I don't think that's insulting, but it's also not the same as you know. No one wants to no one wants to get a sketch and go okay, make it cartoon or, or, or it looks too cartoony. And Homeboy was trying to draw you know Deathlock. So right. it's it's right, um, right. Then again you get that's that's the public definition of I think that's right. Yes, you're, you're touching yeah. on where it crosses over because I think again you're right. When I when you say the term cartoony and I've used that term I think and I've tried to stop using that term for the same as you, David. It's that I, I there's a certain style that that evokes in my mind, a mm-hmm. specific style, and and just to throw. I mean, I think like when I I used to call people like Umberto Ramos cartoony. Or um, and there you could you know it could be or like even Scotty Scotty Young I mean I would sure. say oh, his yeah. style is cartoony yeah. in in my mind but I I try and sort of self correct using that term because I don't want to I don't I think to the average fan the term cartoony may convey yeah. like uh, cutesy or not as uh, uh, it's kid art yeah kid yeah, art. yeah and and it doesn't mean how about that at juvenile all. Yeah, right. but which which is which is funny now because I can describe something to you guys as oh this guy has this awesome cartoony style and that's a compliment coming mm-hmm. from me where if I were say just on a convention floor talking to just a random a random person I would never describe someone as having an awesome cartoony style because right. chances are that person's going to go oh that I'm not into that I don't like that kind of art yeah. it's like right. Well, right. <laughs> you, you, you can, will you will <laughs> see I think again we're we're getting into a little sticky spot with calling it juvenile because if you look at the work of one of the men I consider a master cartoonist which is Ernie Cologne his his stuff for Harvey Comics is cartoony, but mm-hmm. that's in terms of the the highest compliment matter. we can we can pay to this guy because he was a master cartoonist. Right. But mm-hmm. to call his work juvenile just because it deals with ghosts and little rich kids and stuff like that, that's doing a disservice to the work right, because right. the the execution is super solid or, and or, within or everything. Like Don Rosa, right, or, or Barnes, yeah, right? I mean, yeah, those guys, obviously, are... I mean, t- to me, they are... Car- it is cartoony, because they're, they're drawing cartoons. I mean, they're actually drawing cartoon characters, but it's not juvenile. I mean, well, you know, they're I mean, kids' I'll, comics, but they're not, you know... Right. I'll bring up two, two examples of guys that we talk about on the show a lot. Um, first one, Tom Fowler. I mean, Tom Definitely. does a lot of stuff that people would call cartoony, the stuff that he's mm-hmm. done for Mad Magazine, and even Mysterious. A lot of people would open that up and go, oh, wow, that's really cartoony. You know, I would say the same thing, meaning that it's effing awesome. Um, but is he still d- about doing it. the commission he, thing? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yes, I believe he is. He is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Cool. Uh, Vince you can go on our forums and, uh, and, and, and get his contact info where I believe it's... Um, you can hook up with Tom Fowler and have him do a commission for you because I saw Mr. Neesman's Doctor Strange mm. in the flesh, so to speak, mm-hmm. and it is... I got an art boner from it. That's how nice it is. Nice. Yes. Sweet, isn't it? Oh, he's got it right over his computer, too. Did you wow. finally look at, at, at the one he did for me, Vince? Yes. You are a lucky <laughs> bastard. Boy. Your, yours, yours is like a single-cell cartoon. Uh, right, we're exactly. About it's, it's, uh, you know what's great about it is, is it's, it's like uh, Spy vs. Spy. It reminds me of Spy mm-hmm. vs. Spy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, describe describe to the peeps at home. Sure, so what, I asked Tom to do a, um, a commission for me of Deadpool and Wolverine, and so he's got uh, in the and that's, background. And that's, I'm sorry, is that, is that all the information you gave him? That you mm-hmm. just want those two characters? So he yeah. went buck wild with the rest. Okay, <laughs> exactly. That's he, awesome. he asked me if he could be creative. I said I, I would. Exp- I would want nothing less. You know, from, you're not going to direct somebody like Tom Fox. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's unnecessary. Um, so he, he drew a, a pot-bellied, funny-looking Wolverine in the background, getting uh, what what you know a keg of beer. You, you know. T- Pouring himself a beer out of a keg, or so he thinks. Like, um, which is in the middle of the road. Yeah, it's in the middle of the road, very like uh, roadrunner road road style. And then, of course, in the foreground, hiding behind a rock, is Deadpool crouched down, holding his ears with the classic, you know, TNT, uh, you know, device that he's getting ready to explode. And and sitting in the keg is a, you know, sitting. Uh, it's a TNT bucket that you know that has you know hastily you know taped to it a little sign that says you know uh, you know beer and uh, and so, so it's just. Like you know, it's like the classic, you know, Roadrunner awesome. Wiley Coyote image, but it's with Deadpool getting ready to blow up Wolverine. So it's uh, it's it's just an awesome, awesome thing. And again, perfect example. That's a one that's a one page cartoon that he he's telling a story, which yeah. is great because a lot of times, I mean, I've gotten commissions or sketches where and they're beautiful, but they're just a picture. You know, they're just yeah, it's a pin up, or, a pin up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's just great. The, the the Doctor Strange commission that he did for me. Absolutely gorgeous, amazing. I mean, you know, I would definitely, you know, put it in the cover or or pin up, you know, realm. I mean, and both look like they could tell a story. Whether it's the Doctor oh, yeah. Strange oh, one yeah. looks like, I mean, you could your mind could just. It, it's one of those. It's an image where, like back in the day at DC, where okay, draw the cover, okay, and now come up with a story to match this cover. I mean, and, right. and same thing with with the Deadpool Wolverine. It's 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 a, it's a gag that no dialogue is needed. You what you see, and and that's. That's the whole joke right there. Single images can be what I call comics, which yep. would oh, extend into fine art, like Marcel Duchamp's New Descending a Staircase. That could be comics. Look at the, the friggin' motion in that painting. And it tells a story. Uh, it's basically the story of someone descending a staircase, but at least you get <laughs> the idea that there's something going on here. There's, there's movement. There's uh, the germ of a story. So, yeah, you can do it in one panel. <laughs> What's up, 11 o'clockers? This is Doug. I'm not on your forums, so I just don't have time to get on forums. I found that when I got on forums, it took less time. Uh, it took more time away from reading comics. So, anyway, I love your podcast. It is probably uh, pretty close to being my favorite, if not there already. You guys just cracked me up. So, uh, Vince, I need more of that crazy psychedelic stuff you used to play in front of your your uh, Marvel podcast that stuff used to crack me up. So, uh, all right, man. Um, all you fellows are great. Later, bud.
and uh, some of the dudes at the Chicago Comic Con who I consider. Uh, Chris Burnham is a balls out brilliant cartoonist mm-hmm. who whom I met, and yeah. our buddy Scotty Young. Ah, he's oh, yeah. a, he he tops my damn list. Of, of dude, not that Scotty needs any more ego boost from us, but the dude is. He's he was he was good. For, he's been good for a long time, but he's pretty special these days. I think. I know. I mean, I no, know. no bullshit. He really is a pretty. And his uh, his sketchbook is now available. Yep. Ah, very good. Very and good. he was nice enough to give me a copy of the software he uses to draw his images. Nice. He gave me a Autodesk Sketchbook Pro 2010. I guess the company is so enamored with his stuff and his usage of the program that he mm-hmm. ga- they gave him a big old box of software and said distribute this to the people you think worthy and jesus why you know he gave me one um i i loaded it it's sweet super mm, sweet nice. and i'm gonna I, you know what i'm gonna have to get a cintiq to make best use of it oh, so. <laughs> listen to you <laughs> yeah so i think i'm gonna get a, a big ass cintiq soon and then i will have absolutely no reason why i'm not doing this shit no kidding yep. Yeah, but in, uh, Richard Corbin, cartoonist. Oh, oh sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I but I don't think oh, we've nailed it down Jeff yet. And, yeah, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, speaking of Jeff Lemire, I got a birthday card from him. A digital yeah. birthday. Oh, oh, how nice. Yes, I got a digital birthday card from Jeff Lemire. I open up the email, and what smacks me in the face? Come an in. image. Uh, an image <laughs> of the the Kirby DC superstars rendered with the. The DC oh. circle, and the, but get this: Kirby, Sandman, hover, oh. hovering over Commandy on the left, and Omac. Well, the Omac, stupid right. man. See this stupid Infinite Crisis bullshit. Uh-huh. Uh, the 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 Omac on the right, and in the foreground, Etrigan. Oh, I saw nice. it, and, and you know, if I didn't wear Depends already, uh, I would have. Yeah, I, I would have soiled my drawers. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, thank saw, you, Jeff. Um, saw the uh, the Essex County hardcover, the mm-hmm. the complete Essex County was mm-hmm. at Chicago, and it looks gorgeous. Oh, I bet it was really, really nicely done. I finally get uh, to read this thing. Back to the con. Chris Staros said that they had a phenomenal weekend. Good for yeah, them. you know, here, here's um. They are going to be exhibiting at the uh, the Windy City show. They're going to have a booth there. And I had talked with Chris, um, you know, several months ago uh, about telling him to bring extra stuff up to Chicago to the Wizard Show. And mm-hmm. I would I would go ahead and just just take a bunch of um, bunch of product from him and put it in storage. And that way he wouldn't have to worry about shipping it up. You know, before Windy City, you know, would only have to basically ship once to Chicago this year. And so I go out there on Sunday to pick stuff up from him, and he's like, "Okay, well, you know, I've had a really good, really good weekend, so I don't have as much to to give you as as I was going to, but um, but we'll do it anyway. Just come come back at five. And so I hung around with Vince a little bit longer, and he calls me about I don't know what three o'clock or something like that, Vince. Yeah, right. And and he's like, "Hey, the retailers came and." just absolutely wiped me out and bought everything that we had so he didn't have anything (laughs) so yeah top shelf pretty much sold out this weekend which is awesome to hear well i mean when you're selling a book like buona spoons hardcover which retails for thirty dollars for half price of course the retailers are going to clean them out he they had great deals Jeffrey Brown was there doing little drawings for his sulk, among other things. So, yeah, it, the Top Shelf booth was hopping, 
happen. That's awesome. But momentarily, back to the cartoonist thing, I don't think we've nailed it down, and I didn't expect to, really. This is something we should not only talk about more, but float it out to the forum. What, what, is, your, right, what is your definition of cartoonist? Is, well, is it and, a and derogatory what, yeah. term to you, or is it is it a complimentary term? Does it mm-hmm. imply mastery of the craft? Tell us. Come to our forum and, and tell us. Because and, and dialogue is mean, what have, we need. We have the uh, the the, the uh, good fortune of, of of having quite a few creators, uh, you know, that that listen are our buddies. So I mean, I really would would like to hear yeah. them jump in on the conversation. Even give us a call, a voicemail line, and uh, and give us your thoughts on it. Yep. Speaking of of creators, I also met Jim N. Uh, nice. Oh, this, at the show. Nice. Yeah, he's yeah, he is, he's awesome. He's yeah. the, the, I, I, one of those guys that click. Okay, it's my brother. Here I am. Sweet. And the Did same you, with uh, with uh, Zach's friend Ben Teed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He drew me uh, a picture of Howard the Duck saying, "I'd fuck me." Nice. It, it, it's uh, really nice. Uh, really did, nice. Uh, did you? I suppose you saw Norton and Suntress and all those guys too. A Norton, yeah. a cartoonist, yes, and John Suntress. We got to hung, hang around with him, mm-hmm. and we now? did. We did not come to fisticuffs. Yes. Yep. Kevin, we, we Kevin hung, Mellon. Kevin Mellon. Mellon, nice. Mm-hmm. And was Phil Hester. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Den- Dennis Hopeless and Andy and Phil, of course. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was. A, it was a really. Oh, and did really you? Um, show. And our our buddy from GI Joe. Oh, recent, Robert Atkins. Yes, yes. Who, who I don't know if I'm supposed to say this or not, but I'm going anyway because I'm excited for him. Drew an issue of Amazing Frickin' Spider-Man. Oh yeah. Oh yes. guys, I, I, this has to be a highlight for you, Vince. Not just of the show, but just in general. I, I walk over by Robert's table, and he was over by Katie Cook, right? Oh yeah, Katie Cook, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, so. Or was it yeah, Jenny Frizen? No, he was over by Katie Cook. Right, right. Jen, Jen, yes. Jenny was over by Mike and those guys. Okay. Um, Robert is is over at his table. Robert's a great guy, and he's like, "Hey, have you uh, have you seen uh, Fantastic Four uh, Requiem?" <laughs> yeah, and I was like, "No, I haven't seen it yet." And it's the one that came out last week, two weeks ago. It's the Ultimate Fantastic Four Requiem, and if you uh, if you first half of the book, if you definitely pick it up and and take a look at it. There's a scene where Johnny Storm is. Um, in a, a, a cityscape of of Manhattan, right? Mm-hmm. And if you look in the buildings in the cityscape, there's all of the signs on the buildings, and one of them says Vince. So Vince <laughs> is really? in a Fantastic yeah. Four. Lucky <laughs> bastard. Yeah, is that awesome. awesome? That is that so is cool. Awesome, dude. Good yeah. you. Did you get to hang out with Hillary Barda as it was supposedly going to happen? No, no, I didn't because huh. the the tiki bar thing got squashed. They have a big tiki luau thing on Fridays, and it was booked, so we couldn't get in or something like that. And you know, I uh, I didn't go out that much this week, and I was trying to take care of myself a little bit because I always get sick at conventions. And mm. once you know it, I still have the con cred. And uh, but I didn't really go out much on on Saturday night, and I think that's when Hill was was hanging out there at the Hyatt. So I didn't even get to see Hillary this weekend. Okay, and how about uh, Stegman? Did you guys see Stegman? Hell oh yeah. yeah. But he's he's ridiculous. So, what do you mean? <laughs> that's like that's a highlight or something to see Stegman. I oh, think I so. He's a cool guy, <laughs> buddy. <laughs> I mean, you all live in Chicago, so you see each other all the time. But no, Ryan, well, Ryan lives in he's in Michigan. Oh, okay. But we also had a hell of a lot of fun doing the con things that aren't on the program which was sitting in the Hyatt lobby making fun of people going to the John Ostrander auction. 
uh, <laughs> which which kind oh. of pissed pissed off a lot of people because in the program for the convention they they list the auction and they said free mm-hmm. free admission when we got to the door it was a forty dollar admission. Yeah, Kramer was talking about that on the phone, yeah. right? Yeah, so obviously we did not go in. I would rather mail John Ostrander 40 bucks than pay that kind of money to get into an auction right, right. just to spend more money. So we, we sat outside, and we just took note of all the celebrities walking in, Edward James Olmos and that dude with the patch from Galactica. Oh, Hogan. Oh, sure. Right. Kevin Nash, the wrestler. <laughs> Sal, Sal had a, a – Sal and several other people. It's not just Sal, but one of his highlights on Saturday is that he uh, he and several other people got to uh, um, have a beer with uh, uh, Admiral Adama and, and Colonel Ty. Hmm. Oh, really? Sweet. Yeah. Good for yeah. him. That kicks ass. <laughs> and, yeah, I think they were uh, drinking um, old style. <laughs> <laughs> Among other people, Billy D. Williams. Billy um, D. Yeah, some dude oh, from, from – wow. Who would you ride an elevator with? <laughs> later, wait, later, we'll get there. Well, I'll tell. I'll, I'll tell. Tell it. It was go pretty ahead, funny. You know, I'll as soon as I saw him, I, I, I wasn't all caught up in the fact that we were in the elevator with this person. I was more concerned with the fact that I'd have something to bust David's balls about once I got back. <laughs> and uh, so we're we're getting on the elevator, and who should come up to want to get on but Mark Texera? Tex. And and he is. Snookered. He's three sheets to <laughs> the wind. How did you get on the this? elevator with you guys? So, what time was it? It, it? I don't remember what time was it. No, it was later in the evening. So Tex gets on the elevator. And he's sweating. He's all big, larger-than-life man-hulk dude. And um, Matt was standing near the elevator buttons. Mm-hmm. So in order to make room for Mr. Texera, Matt backed up. And just happened to hit about six or eight buttons on the elevator control panel. So we stopped at a bunch of floors with Tex, and every time we stopped, I hey, this is not your floor. And he was trying to get off, and he was getting all goofy. And and he he said to Matt or something. Matt had to do ten shots with him for all the uh, discomfort that he caused him on going up and down, up and down the elevator. And uh, yeah, Tex was really cool, a very fun guy. And I thought. David would give anything to be in this elevator right now. <laughs> Mr. Texier, can I have your autograph? Okay. I'm looking at the favorite session you gave me years that is ago. Awesome. No, he was a really cool dude. And I'm I'm probably not telling the story as well as Matt did. Oh. And they, we have con reports on our forum yes. as well. So come and see those. Mm-hmm. But you know, all in all it was really cool. Uh geez, what else did, did we do? Uh, aside from uh, the, Norton was was very cool. I hung with Norton. See, I'm telling you, I did the socializing I never, I never, thing. You 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 told everyone your your purchases. Do I get let people know what I got? Oh, absolutely. Sure. It's not a whole lot. I I, bro- I, I just did the five dollar trade. Um, there's a couple great uh, retailers there. I picked up the uh, Jonah Hex Origins Battler Britain by Garth Ennis and uh, Colin Wilson. Uh, Howard Chicken, City of Tomorrow. I got the uh, the Sword Sexy. of Adam trade paperback. <laughs> Go uh, ahead, David. The Question, uh, Zen and Violence, Volume 1. Uh, Legion of Superheroes, Teenage Revolution. The Haunted Take, Showcase Presents. Batman and the Monster Men. Uh, Matt Wagner. There you go, David. White Brigade. 
a few other things, but those are all five dollar trades. Yep. And uh, DCBS, they had uh, overstock trades that were dollar piece, like the Women of Marvel, District X, and Electro mm-hmm. the Hand. Oops! Oh, my dog's going to kill somebody. And then, uh, and then I got the uh, the big oversized hardcover of Stan Lee's Marvel Visionaries for two bucks. And uh, I think Vince's statement was that was about a dollar and a half too much. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not not for the art, not for the art. My my real score was um, uh, a couple uh, original pages from Phil and Andy for twenty five bucks piece. Which wow, awesome. really nice. Real Green Arrow pages, yes. Yeah. From uh, from yeah Green Arrow, twenty two. It's a great page with Detective Bones, and uh, and then and uh, irredeemable Ant Man page. It seems that all of our friends, whom are artists, are taking quantum leaps in in uh, relation to the the quality of their craft. Andy Jewett is smoking. Mm-hmm. If you, oh, if Andy's you great. saw yeah, if you saw Andy's pages, the guy is just getting really really tight and same thing with Wachter and Pat Loika some of the stuff I saw at their table was just gorgeous I mean and then uh, Scotty's doing sketches and Scotty's phenomenal it's all of our friends are like they're blooming they're blossoming into these brilliant comic book artists right before our our, our eyes that's awesome to see it was yep. it's great and should we tell about Pat's lucky strike I'm yeah so jealous he, there was a, a dude selling $5 trades who just so happened to be selling omnibuses as well. But the omnibuses were, I think, 50% off half, or, or half at the yeah. half off. So uh, early Friday, I think it was, Pat went over and wanted to take advantage of those, let's be honest, cheap prices for the omnibus. And he got the Lee Kirby X-Men and I think the Daredevil Wolverine. omnibus? Wolverine. Wolverine. Wolverine no, Captain No. Was it? No. No, he said he got Wolf, a Cam Britton for forty bucks. That that, yeah, that was. Oh no! <laughs> was early he oh, okay, yeah, he, okay. he did not pay forty bucks for these. So nice. he took them to the guy, five bucks each. They made a mistake. The dude thought, count, yeah, they, yeah, they counted them up as just five dollar hardcovers. Unheard and of. Pat, Pat oh, was glowing. God. He was like, and so he went. He went <laughs> back. He went back, and and the, I guess either someone pointed it out or the the guy recognized his realized his mistake, and they weren't five dollars anymore. I bet. Wow. Uh, but yeah, and towards the end of the show, I think the trades were three for ten. Yep, and oh, it didn't matter if they that. were hardcover or or softcover. Yeah. Stuff it was, was great. moving. It was, it was a gr- it's Chicago is always a great shopping show, and yep. this year it was yep. it was a great shopping show. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep, I got it, Zach Crucey's ash can. Oh, nice! Yep. And I'm not going to let any of you see it because it's mine. <laughs> it's called whatever, uh, dude. Yeah, it's called um <laughs> with the, the, with the fingers. The Mystery Solved 2009 Convention Preview ed- Edition, written you better by. Better have that at Windy City. Oh, it is so nice. The names attached are Zach Crusey, Jim Miller, Javi Lapata, and Ben Teed, who I mentioned before, who also does mm-hmm. Scuba Frog, which is really cool. Yeah, it w- was just a big love-in. And this is, that's, I'll be honest, the Chicago show is the highlight of my year every single year. It really is. That's why I go out there, not only to hang with Chris and all my friends, but it's just, it's such a good time. And yeah, it may have been a little down from last year, but I don't care. I just had a blast. It was great. Yeah, you just, you know, like I said earlier, you remind yourself that, you know, if you put, you know, ten or twenty thousand comic book fans together, you're gonna have a pretty good time. Yep. Mm-hmm. I did go to a panel 
with oh, yeah? Mike, oh, Mike Sims. Yeah, I did. It was awesome. I went to I the X-Force panel. Nice. You did, Kyle, really? Yeah, Kyle and Yost and uh, Choi. And really strange. Uh, they started doing uh, signing books at the beginning of the panel. So there was this huge wumba line of people all the way out the door and the uh, convention guy said, "You know what? We're going to have to cut this either either cut the panel short or not do the panel at all. And we'll just sign books." So uh, nicely asked the people, you know, to sit down until the end of the panel when they would yes, they would sign your books. And Kyle and Yost were really cool. They said, "Stop us in the hall, stop us in the elevator, anywhere you see us." We will we will be glad to sign a book for you, 10 books, whatever you want. We, we want to do it. Well, let's just get this panel out of the way. And most of the people were um, courteous enough to sit down, but there was about 15 or 20 that didn't. So the panel began, and Kyle and Yost go into Necrotia and everything they have planned for X-Force, and they're signing books at the same time. That would be incredibly distracting to me, having mm-hmm. to address all the people and sign these books, but these lunkheads would not sit down. So, so there was a little bit of chaos, but otherwise, really cool panel. These guys seem to really love X Force. You could tell. And Choi is like his favorite character is X twenty three, and he only wants to draw Big it. If, yeah, he only wants to draw it if Kyle and Yost write it. He 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 said he wouldn't be able to do it if with another writer at the helm. And it just it was it was like an ex love affair. It was great panel. Someone was asked, or actually I was asking around. I was like, "Where's Vince?" Because I was trying to hook up with you. You're like, oh, he's at the X Force panel. I'm like, oh, of course he is. Uh, <laughs> no, I would love to meet Chris Yost because I I love pretty much everything that he's worked on. But um, it was someone, and I was standing next to someone. And it was like, you know, that's what I love about Vince is that he can absolutely. Um, fall in love and uh, just wax poetic about Bean World and X Force. <laughs> yep, that's Vince. You know, it's all good, baby. Mm-hmm. Slice and dice. Comics is comics. Yeah. Talk about serious so polyp and you know, whatever other Witchblade. It was just a magnificent, magnificent. How about that? I like that. Ma- and go. I'm not even drinking. It was a wonderful experience. And and I, and, I hope we get the chance Chris, to do it again next year. Did Chris mm-hmm. successfully coax you into drinking a little bit, Vince? He, he didn't have to coax me. I had a Guinness at this Ram place we went to uh, Friday night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that was the only thing I I had. Uh, the only alcohol I had all weekend was the one Guinness. Uh, no, no, I had uh, a quarter of a beer with Chad and everyone back at at their hotel room. So yeah, but I didn't drink very much. And I'll tell you, Sunday, going back, I didn't eat anything all day until I got to the airport. And what are you going to eat in an airport? So I went to Starbucks and bought a large coffee and a banana. That's all I ate all day long. When I got home, I was dead. After four delays in my flight coming home, I didn't get home till I, I, went, I, hit, I got to the airport at 5.30 Chicago time. I did not get home, foot in my living room, until 12.30. Wow. AM. Yeah, it was a long friggin' day. But well worth it. So not complaining. I do anything for comics in my buds. <laughs> well, it was a big time. And and yeah. David and 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 Wood were missed this weekend, but I I'm really glad that you guys are coming in September. I can't uh oh, show how how much I'm looking forward to that. So I owe you all uh, a trip to the East Coast soon. It's gonna be off the chain. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Of yeah, we have. 
I can't announce it right now, but you'll probably oh, I think I know. You'll probably hear about it on AC by Monday. I yeah, we'll give them that one. We'll let them have yeah. that announcement. Yeah, because yeah. we got the you, you good guys need to break talk at least a time. little bit of news on AC. Yeah, yeah. Let me just say we may have a very hard-boiled guest <laughs> at the Windy City. Uh-huh. Nice. Interesting. Can't wait to see Frank Miller. Frank Miller's awesome. David, you really <laughs> shocked me. When he said Sword of the Atom, I expected you to grunt or, oh, dude, or, or I spasm. Know. I was cheesing too much. He, Chris and I already talked about it. Unfortunately, I know that makes for a really crappy podcast when you already talk about something over the weekend. But um, <laughs> he was on a roll. And, and if, if you know, I'm not going to jump up and down every, you know, distract people when uh whenever anything done by Gil Kane is, is mentioned on the show as much as I, I I contain myself pretty well. Really enjoyed it. it oh, it's it's so yeah. fun. It's it's yeah. so out there yeah. and great and, and uh man, I just written by Jan Sternad. Yes. Yes. Great great what I, what I love is that it's 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 an what an early mid eighties miniseries and yeah. that was at a time when even in a miniseries you have two pages of recap at the beginning of each issue oh, yeah. it's like jesus christ right all right yeah fine she was with the other guy move on it's a miniseries oh and it also is the first time i've ever um uh, realized that uh gene warren was a bitch a long yes. time ago yeah <laughs> you look at that and you're like wow okay yeah so basically identity crisis was just you know that 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 wasn't the shock. Not part. out of character. No, she not at always, all. Always, like, always a selfish bitch. <laughs> uh, yeah, she, she, who she's was not... it who had the Gil Kane drawing this weekend, Chris? Someone had a Gil Kane drawing in their sketchbook. What? Really? Yeah. yeah. Safe. I didn't see. I didn't, I didn't look through many people's sketchbooks. Uh, <laughs> we were thumbing through it, and I said, holy crap, is that a Gil Kane? They go, huh? Oh, wow. Well, that's sweet. I, I, I don't remember. I, I, I've always wanted to start a sketchbook. I have one in my con bag. I've never asked for a sketch at a convention. I would I would rather buy, you know, an original piece or get a commission or something like that. Um, sketches at shows, mm-hmm. I, you know, yeah, it appeals to me. But, you know, mm-hmm. you kind of get into that. I don't know. It, it's just something I, I never I never feel right asking for them and, and, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff or, you know, the time. I don't know. I just I don't know why, but I've never started a, a sketchbook. So, yeah, so I've pay, I haven't running around. I have a Norton Man thing and Fraser. Irving, yeah, yeah. You know, did uh, Clarion the hotel boy. But uh, because <laughs> if I'm going to pay, I want like Chris, I want a full commission or uh, a scotty young i you know i want something that i can mat frame hang it up on the wall beautiful uh, a, a sketchbook drawing like bagged and board comics frequently gets viewed because it's part of a sketchbook unless you know you take the sketchbook out and you peruse it all it's kind of hard i want to see the image every damn day on my wall does that yeah, that's, makes sense, I guess. That's why that's why I love love having the the art that I have up in my room. I can't imagine having it, uh, you know, ferreted away in some drawer or something. Yeah. It needs to be seen. What's up, eleven o'clock comics? This is Never Wanderer from the forum. Um, Colin, because I feel like getting a little bit topical. I feel like getting a little bit ranty. And uh, this rant is in response to uh, one of the articles that King Dapp was kind enough to post up uh, regarding the SDC stuff on the forums. Um, Motion comics, graphic novels in the digital age. It's an interesting title. 
uh, carries a lot of weight with it, carries a lot of implication. I'm not sure I like what it's implying. Um, now, first off, I, I don't hate graphic novels. Or, I don't hate graphic novels at all. I don't hate digital comics. Um, I think that some of my posts on the boards, maybe the ire in them may have led you to believe differently, but I don't hate digital comics. I think they're a nifty little thing. You know, you, you, you take the comic that's already there, you animate it a little bit, you put stuff to it. It's a cool way of introducing stuff to people who might not have otherwise looked at it. I see the value in it. I see that there are creators like Alex Maleev, Bendis, they're working on the Spider-Woman comic. They are enjoying themselves, and that's really important. That's probably the most important thing. More than anything that I or any other fan has to say about it, the artists are enjoying creating this new thing. That's great. My problem comes when you start implying that this is the future of digital comics, that, that this is what comics are going to be. And I just don't agree with it. Digital, you know, the motion comics are not comics. They're cartoons. They're nifty cartoons. They use the original art, so that definitely gives them an edge over everything. But it, it, it doesn't, you don't interact with a motion comic the way that you interact with a regular comic book. What's cool about comics and I think it was um, Scott McCloud that said this, uh, everything that happens happens between the gutters. All, all the, the stuff, every, you fill in the blanks between those separate images in time. And that's not something that a motion comic is going to give you. You can't, uh, you can't create your own voice in your head. You can't pace out exactly how you think that scene should be read. You know, when, when somebody starts doing it for you, it stops being a comic book. It stops being a book. It stops being literary. Comic books are literary form. Uh, literary forms are controlled by the reader. The reader sets their own pace. The reader uh, decides everything. So I can't see... I, I, I'm, just, I'm just not digging this whole idea that, you know, motion comics is where digital comics are headed. You know, especially if you start to consider that People who I got, yeah, I got into a debate the other day on the forum about um, uh, how you know creating movie adaptations dilutes the medium um, of comics. I, the motion comics are going to do way more to dilute the medium than creating a film adaptation. A film adaptation is something completely new. It is not the original artwork. You you take the original artwork, you put voices to it, you take out the element of reading, you put it in front of somebody, they're going to say, hey, this is the exact same thing, but it's better. I'd much rather read the Watchmen uh, motion comic or watch the Watchmen motion comic than read the graphic novel. Graphic novels take a whole hell of a lot of time. It's, it's Once we start thinking that... Di- Animated comics are where the medium is going. That's when we start to see the real death of comics. I mean, I know that's kind of overdramatic, and I'm sure that in 50 minutes I'll think, shit, there was a much better way that I could have said that. But I'm kind of winging it off the cuff right now. Um, so that's my basic thing. I don't know. I was expecting this to be much more eloquent and longer, but it never turns out that way when I actually call. But uh, it concerns me. You know, I, I don't think that motion comics should go away. I think that they're very cool. They're not necessarily for me, but not everything is for everybody. But, uh, you know, if you want to look at where digital comics are headed, what the future of digital comics are, look at something like Nalls. Uh, for those who want to look it up, www.nawlz.com. It's a kick-ass digital comic, and it's a motion comic, and it has voices and music and all that shit, but what's cool about it is that you can actually control the pace. You set the pace. You decide when you move on to the next level, the next part of the story. Other cool things, um, uh, what's it called? Infinite Canvas. Infinite Canvas is like the coolest 
fucking thing that I have seen uh, on digital comics in a long time. And I don't know what the URL for that is off the top of my head, but if you Google Infinite Canvas, I'm sure that you'll find something. These are the future of comics, you know? Some stuff that Longbox is doing, that's the future of digital comics. Um, it's not animation. Animation is animation. You can create a fun little hybrid that'll be, you know, like a fun novelty, but it's not going to be the real thing. It's not going to be the real experience. And uh, it's just not going to be as fun. It's not the same. I don't really have anything more to say, so I'm going to hang up now. Hope you guys have a, a, a great show, and uh, talk to you later at some point. Bye. I think we've covered the con scene sufficiently, right? Have we? Let's get, let's get so. this episode going. There you go. Right, because we still uh, got another hour and a half. David. That should, um, well, I went back, and now I'm thumbing through my, my sort of the Adam trade, now that Chris was talking about it. Um, okay, here's you got it from underneath you. your pillow, huh? <laughs> uh, underneath? Okay, what if I told you that I read a comic this week that uh, that was Pencils and Inks? By Norm Reifogel and Letters by John Workman. What comic book would I have read? Prime. No. Uh, you said it wasn't the Bat, so I won't go with Detective. I was going to say, all you've been reading is Batman lately. So Norm Reifogel and John Workman. Hmm. You know what? You're just going to have to tell. Does anyone else have a guess? I don't know. No clue. It's <laughs> <laughs> the devious little laugh. Uh, like, I got you. Archie Double Digest number 200. Uh-huh. Really? Yeah, it's yeah. part of uh, the, the... It's another story from uh, Archie Comics' dynamic New Look series, which which started last year. And um, and there's a Veronica, Betty and Veronica Double Digest that um, I didn't read yet that is illustrated by Rick Burchett and uh, inked by Terry Austin. But this was... Um, I mean, it's... It amazes me how many of these mainstream superhero dudes are working in the, uh, let's call them young adult comics. Yeah. Terry Austin yeah. is, is inking Sonic the Hedgehog, and now you're... Yep. What is... And, and this is really odd. Hey, man, they need to work. That's yeah, I mean, on, on one hand, it's it's great to see them, you know, still still working, still, still doing their thing, and uh, I haven't looked at the numbers, so I don't know how it compares, especially since... Supermarkets wouldn't be listed when it comes to uh, you know, yeah. diamond numbers. So I mean, it's I'm, I'm sure there are more Archie comics in hands today than than uh, than you know an an, an X Men or a uh, or a Superman comic. I'm right. guessing. Well, Nor- but, uh, Bray Fogle has been missing from superhero comics for quite yeah, a while. He's, do- he's done a few. I mean, I'd, I'd see his name pop up in in previews here and there over the years, but it was it was for not. Uh, I don't want to say off the wall stuff, but just things I wouldn't normally associate with one of my favorite Batman artists with. Right, so right. it's, um, but I mean, it's, it's a story. It's not the type of story where, you know, you're guessing how many hamburgers, you know, Jughead eats or, uh, <laughs> or if, if, if Archie forgets his wallet, it's, it's, um, it's the, fr- and, and this is what, what's neat about these, uh, the new look or realistic look stories. They, uh, they're actually continue from one, one book to the next. So they're not, they're not done in one stories in, in you know five six eight pages and uh, so they want you to come back for the next four months and basically this story is called Archie Goodbye Forever. Archie's dad gets a promotion, but it means they're going to have to leave Riverdale 
and uh dun, dun, dun. yeah so uh so so betty's all torn so it's not it's I also even though even though <laughs> i don't know even though um we have uh even though it looks different it also reads different it, it's it's a different type of story so so the way it the way Brett Fogel's going to draw it it's it's not it's not the type of story you're used to in an archie book i don't want to say it's more mature more adult it's just but it's 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 the type of story that's a little heavier right. than the average it's archie not done in the di carlo style exactly right exactly definitely not although i believe there's probably some di carlo stories in here as the um the way archie looked back in the uh in, in maybe the, the 60s the more rounded face that i like mm. there, there's a little archie there's a few little archie stories in here there is a there's two pages in here it's text says you can do a graphic novel and it's a uh, it's a few paragraphs written by Barbara Slate oh, and uh and she's the author of over 300 comic books and graphic novels and basically she's talking about page layouts and uh and oh, what How um, cool is that? Doing a good layout combines all your skills of writing, drawing, character development and plotting. Every page is a new adventure because every page is different. Your layout should capture your reader's imagination. There are no shortcuts. And basically ask yourself what it is I want to achieve. Visualize your beginning and ending panels. Once you know where you want to start and where you want to end, then it is easier to figure out what goes on in the middle. That is and awesome. It, it really is. It's Archie Double Digest it does uh, about 100,000 copies an issue. Okay. Pretty good numbers. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. like New Avengers numbers. It would be the top of the diamond charts, yeah? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. So it's... um. Yeah, so obviously I'm going to John, John uh, Suntress. John Suntress is in his car right now, listening to this, going, "Hell yes, finally some Archie love." Archie Double Digest is the second best-selling title in the Archie line. Can you name the first? Uh, uh, I don't say Betty Sonic. Betty, Betty and Veronica. Vince, do you have a guess? Mm, I have no idea. It's not Sabrina. Uh, Chris is right. Betty and Veronica Double Digest Sweet. sells a hundred four thousand copies on average, uh, which is just slightly better than Archie Double Digest. Very good. Yeah. That's excellent. Look at the big brain on me. <laughs> is that what that, that is? Sooner or later, the law of average is stupid. I, mean, I think on, you're, you're be... talking about main, mainstream guys that uh, were, I think uh, Andrew Peepoy does, uh, um, does work for Archie. Well, you know, now that I hear these numbers, it'd be silly for them not to. That's true. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, who knows about? I mean, what's unfortunate is that when you get into the back, after you get past the the main story, the cover story, the feature, and you have all the uh, the one page gags or or the the short three, four, five page stories, there are no credits there. So I mean, yeah, things look like Dan DiCarlo, but um, or Dan Parent, but it's not. You know, you can't tell if if either of these gentlemen did any work in these stories. So that's. Right. Mm-hmm. But um, so who has the last laugh here, Norm Brayfogle? Because even though he's not working for Marvel or DC, he's selling more books. Yes, than he's got John Romita Jr. Or, or Jim Chung. Holy <laughs> and it's Archie freaking Andrews, man! I love it, and and, and you can awesome. so tell it's it's you can look at it and and you just know it's it's Norm Brayfogle. It, it, there's there's no way around it. It's it's this is who he is. The art is great. You can definitely tell who the characters are. It's not like, you know, someone's at a convention taking a stab at okay, I don't know what the character looks like. Let me see if I can figure it no, out. No one it's, no one's going to demand an apology. That's right. Oh. And, uh, so, David, is it kind of in the Katie Keene ballpark? 
as far as what, the content Re- or realism is it is it uh it's not your traditional de carlo but is it you know how katie keen was was more it is, it's yeah it's um it's kind of it's it's almost like i can kind of see like there's one um there are a couple panels here where archie kind of reminds me of when uh Tim Drake first put on the Robin costume. Oh, so it is. It's it's still him. It's not like he didn't he didn't really dilute his style just to work on Archie. It's still, you know, it it's still. I mean, it, Archie's dad's face has oh, has a uh, that is a looks, different thing. So yeah. so yeah. So it's um. So I, it, I saw a couple of those Archie new look books or what are they mm-hmm. called? New new look or new, new look series? Right, and it it looked kind of like Mary Worth. It was like very realistic. I gotta find. Yeah, I'm gonna take a look and see who. Um, because the buzz started with Bad Boy Trouble and grew with fan favorites like The Matchmakers, Breakup Blues, and My Father's Betrayal. Now prepare yourself for Goodbye Forever. So, I think via DCBS we'll be getting the uh, the Archie books for a while because we're gonna get the wedding. And I have to uh, since this is issue 200 and this is the first part. I emailed Zach and uh, I'll be able to add 201 and 202. To my order for uh, RT, that is so cool. I am, you know, hey, it's it's comics is comics, dude. It's 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 just cool. And and dude, it's I don't know, I don't even know how many pages are in this, but I haven't finished it yet. I'm just I keep, yeah, they're they're little goofy, you know, short pages. They're short stories, but still, I mean, this this thing is packed. This thing will last you a month. And they um three ninety nine. It is the cover is three ninety nine. Yeah, and approved by the Comics Code Authority. You know, mm-hmm. s- some ads there, but I mean, they have, uh, oh, there's a maze. The, it, <laughs> most of the, um, most of the, uh, most of the ads are, uh, are house ads for like the, the summer specials oh, or, or you can, you can subscribe to the, uh, Archie's Double Digest or you can just, uh, you can just reserve all four issues of the Goodbye Forever story for only 11.29 and save $4.67. So, Good for um, kind of like yeah. when the Dark Knight came out, order them all. That's right. Remember that That's ad right. that they ran yes. in Rolling Stone? Yep. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so I, I'm mm-hmm. going to read the Betty and Veronica, although I think that's, that's that has to do, I think, with something between Veronica and, and, and her father. But um, I want to check that yeah. out for the Birchard art. But it's I, I don't know if I'll be able to, to catch up because I think it's like the second part of the story. So. Hey, guys, it's Matt Hammock, a.k.a. Blaze533, checking in. I just want to tell you about what happened when I went to the LCS today. As you know, Blackest Night is now in full swing. The first issue came out, and I went into the store with my Green Lantern shirt, my Green Lantern hat, and the GL ring I picked up at a convention a while back. And they had Blackest Night Night cookies and Blackest Night cupcakes made by the guys at the LCS. And they were giving out the Blackest Night rings, and everybody in there was just having a fun time. It was a... Wow. I really screwed up my words there, didn't I? Uh, take two. Hey, it's Matt, uh, the blah, blah, blah. Uh, I went to the LCS, had a lot of fun. I guess that's the point I'm supposed to be making. I shouldn't be talking while I'm driving, should I? No, let me hang up the phone. Until then, next time. Now, before any of our listeners call in or post in the forums about how this means that Marvel and DC should start selling digests on the newsstands and supermarkets, it is important to remember that the reason that Archie Digest continue to sell well is because they have a unprecedented sweetheart deal uh, in 
chains that allow them pl- placement right next to the POS systems. And it's an exclusive deal that they've had for decades and one that Marvel and DC can't uh, afford to or get into. So it would cost Marvel and DC a ton more to have their products placed in the exact same spots that Archie gets them for basically nothing. So different ball game. I mean, it's, it's great for Archie and smarter than, but it's a different, it's not an even playing field. So, and how cool is it? I mean, you're, you're, you're at the supermarket, the kid's been carrying on. I want this, I want that. And, and, and mom's either looking at, you know, people or U S weekly and, 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 uh, and, you know, fine. Okay. Kid shut up and, and, and sticks a Betty and Veronica digest in their hand i mean it's it's a great even if there is there's a supermarket near us and they do have a spinner rack and and one side is dc one side is marvel one side is arch and the other side is like the independence like mostly it's the boom stuff and some dark horse star wars books but they have they have the archie books at the uh, at the register as well the books are almost as or at least the character archie's almost I, i'd say he's as iconic as as spider-man and and, and superman oh hell yeah absolutely and uh so is renee up for the idw reprints of archie or are you going to hold off on those to see what I, they look like I, I I want DLC. IDW has been doing some re- well. I already have the Bloom County on order for uh, for for this month's order. Fifty yep. percent um, off. Yeah. When is uh, I didn't I didn't I've they, only looked at the specials for DCBS. So I haven't gone into the actual publishers pre-orders yet. Okay. They haven't been solicited yet. You have time. Okay. All right. I want to talk about a Marvel book just for a second. If no one oh. else has anything to talk about, briefly, because David talked about it a few episodes back. And it's New Mutants. No kidding. Yeah. I bought issues one to three today because all my love of X-Force and this upcoming Necrotia thing crossing over thematically into New Mutants. I wanted to be prepared. I didn't want any questions going into the story. So I bought the first three issues. Uh, I don't know. It's a weird, very strange start to the series. It is. It is. It's. It's. I did. I don't want to say I didn't like it because I enjoyed it. These are characters we've been reading for many, many years. But it just seems an off kilter, odd way to start a series when you have a character. Should we spoil it or no? Well, I think I think what I uh, kind of already touched on who who shows up at the end of the first issue. Charlie's boy Legion comes back, and the whole multiple personality thing. And it involves uh, Shan and Robert DaCosta and Sam Guthrie. And they all band together to save Danny Moonstar and this little girl from these Legion psyche-created characters. And, you know, the art was sufficient. And Zeb Wells' story was, was, was pretty good. The characterization seem on, except for that one part you mentioned, where Sam has to prove himself to Slim. Yeah. What is that about? If there's anybody who's proven himself, it's, it's Sam. But anyway, I I think you might, uh, you might not listen to our own show, buddy. That's what he said. He said, said. said, as you, he's agreeing with you. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Sorry. Cocky man. But, uh, (laughs) No, all in all, I'll keep buying it because I, I do enjoy reading about these characters and they're comfortable. But it just not underwhelmed, just kind of surprised that it wasn't better than it was. Because Zeb, yeah. Zeb's a good writer. I he like, is, I like he Zeb's is. And, and there's nothing bad about the writing. It's just very strange. And And for me, I should be embracing this series because it's not beginning like your traditional x series yeah. begins yeah you're right I and mean, who the hell i mean who, who 
legion of all characters right. to start and off it, with. So it could have been done. What I've read in three issues could have been done realistically in an issue, maybe an issue and a half, or even even the yeah even the old school uh, double sized first issues. Absolutely. Right. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't have brought it up because I, I'm not disliking it, but I'm just not yeah. incredible. I'm, I'm waiting to see how this arc ends. I wasn't. Right. I think here, it's, so like it's, it's okay. You, you you don't have to be in love with everything. Right. It's true. Some stuff can just be okay. Yeah. I mean, but we get a fantastic cover by Cubert uh, for the third issue of a badass gun. That's the one I have. Yeah. Yeah, Danny, and it's just uh, Ileana is one of my all-time favorite characters. So naturally. I, I gravitated towards the title. After you guys pushed me in the Necrotia thing, it's just, I don't know, I want it to be, I want it to knock my socks off, and it's not exactly doing that right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe they need some breathing time, you know, a little bit of setup, but... I, I'm, I'm not hoping. too... Uh, I'm, I'm not thrilled with the... Um, it's the Third issue, with the, the, there were two anchors, it kind of felt like there were you know too many cooks spoiling the pot a little bit. I, I wasn't yeah, and the I change was like, very noticeable too. Yeah, and I wasn't. Yeah, it, 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 I, 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 I kind of, I kind of like their uniforms. Um, oh yeah, yeah. The uh, what's throwing me off a little bit is sometimes I'll, I'll, I'm looking at a panel and, and all of a sudden here's Bobby a sunspot, but he's got this firestorm thing going on with the top of his head. Mm-hmm. It's just, and and you know, hey, it's it's new, it's 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 different. It's it's just it's one artist's in, interpretation of of the character. But there are some panels where, um, how do you pronounce his name? Is it the um, Costa? No, uh, no. <laughs> no, the, the artist. The, name. Thanks. Look at the big brain on you, Diogenes uh, <laughs> Nieves. Nieves, right? Yeah. Nieves. Okay. There, there's some panels like the last panel with Ileana. That looks great. Yeah. But then there's a panel or two with uh, with Danny in the jail cell, and it's just like uh, it's kind of hard to take. And and that yeah. that could very just very well be because of the anchors. So it's it's mm-hmm. definitely it doesn't I, flow all that smooth. I wish, and this is not to slight the art, because Nieves's work and the anchors. Uh, job on this title are all very accomplished and it's it it does the job but when i think new mutants i think demon bear i think sienkiewicz i think expressionistic art for the most part obviously not going by the original first couple of issues once the you know sienkiewicz got got rolling i i think of new mutants as kind of even liefeld's art's expressionistic to a certain extent Mm -hmm. this art is is utilitarian but it's not very it's not taking any chances and, sure. and I, I wish that there was some of that going on in these pages did you get uh, did you get a Ramita Jr. vibe uh, in, yeah but in just briefly in certain spots yeah, kind of I, I was yeah it, it's there but not it's not very explicit I didn't think so anyway worth my money but okay I wanted to be floored can't go home again, I guess. But it, it, maybe it we can in the, in the coming months. Maybe it's not going to topple X Factor at the top of my no. X reading list. Oh wait, wait, wait. X Force, you mean, right? You maybe. <laughs> as long as wait, is Crane's not working on X Factor yet? Is he? Okay, so it's uh, as long as I mean, there's, there's still that. There's still uh, the mutant books are still pretty fun, and and this kind of makes sense because otherwise, I mean, and then with everybody out in San Francisco, these characters would get overshadowed by by the big guns by the a-listers and, and either uncanny mm-hmm. and, and well in uncanny because legacy's going in a different route now so it's it's um it it makes sense to have the book i mean you know it, it they're not new mutants but it's uh but it's that team so it right it, 
you know, I can I can see the the reason for the for keeping the title. I will stick around until Warlock comes back, and I'll probably or at least at least back on Earth to the to the team because I yeah, think okay. with issue five or something he's on the cover. So I, I'm going to give this this book twelve issues mm-hmm. and and see. I I want it to knock me on my ass, and I hope it will do so. So, but but give it a give it a taste. It's it's something that will appeal to people familiar with the uh, group. So it's it's by no means bad. But check it out. Try it. Mm-hmm. Give it a shot. Yeah. Like I did. So I'm on holiday, and I took with me three trades that I've not been putting off, but wanted to kind of wait for the right time where I could really just sit down and sink my teeth into them. And like many comic book fans who have children, um, I I just don't find the time where I know I can just sometimes just read a 22-page issue from cover to cover and and not be interrupted and just soak it in and really enjoy it. Um, Scalped, Volume 3, Trade, Dead Mothers, I think it's called. It's upstairs. Um, just fantastic. I read that um, the first day that we arrived, um, just sat outside, beer in hand, soaking up the sun, and just thoroughly enjoyed that, as depraved as it was. Um, just phenomenal. Um, a little bit emotional, actually. A um, little bit of juxtaposition of this cop and this kid whose mother's been killed, and, of course, he's the you know, um, bad horse is going through the same thing and uh, it's just brilliantly done um so thoroughly enjoyed that moved on wooed the deadpool classic volume one um the lifefield stuff the mark wade story arc and then finally the joe kelly ed mcginnis ed mcginnis um stuff mark wade out of the three um i would say i really really enjoyed i enjoyed the whole thing it was just um a lot of fun and filled in a lot of blanks for me and that guy can talk some shit um favorite line um hero you guys must be on crack fantastic we enjoyed that and i'm part way through um frank miller klaus jansen daredevil volume one and loving every page of it so that's good holiday reading i just wanted to share okay bye bye I was gonna. I was all set to because I didn't get to read much this week. I was all set to talk about uh, the Avengers books, but because uh, it's about all I read uh, new this week. But but Chris and uh, Tom and John uh, beat me to the punch. I listened to AC on my way home, and I was like, oh, I'm like oh, I don't need to talk about the Avengers because they just talked about them. So everyone just listened. Yeah, you're going away, buddy. Yeah, what was that about? Yellow. Yep, you're gone. What's that? Oh, you oh, you yeah, you oh. faded out big time. Oh, I did. Yeah. What were they gonna, talking about? I was gonna I was gonna say John beat you to the punch because Tom and I hadn't read it. Oh, I see. Oh yeah, he, well yeah, I was gonna say that's because Tom Tom and I don't read adventures. <laughs> oh, that's right, that's right. Okay. Yeah, were, were you the one that made the joke of uh, of, of John doing John versus the Avengers? No, that was you? Tom. Yeah. Oh. Tom Tom was like, Oh man, yeah. you're passionate about this. You should do 
do John versus the Avengers. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, John, John is, he is, he is a fan of, uh, of the stuff that, uh, that Bendis and co are doing with the Avengers. But I mean, you're like, I would ask Tom about anything flash related. It's like mm-hmm. whenever, uh, you know, flash rebirth, which God, when was the last time an issue of that came out? Mm. A couple of weeks back. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, it's been yeah. longer than that. It feels That's like it. it's been, it feels like it's been, Good long time. There are two issues out. Two. Yeah. Yeah. I no. No. Three. No. I haven't. No, did, did the third issue? Wait. Who? No. The Superman. No. Superman Flash race. That was the cover number two. No. The third issue no. has not come out yet. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh-huh. the road. That was the road trip episode for around comics. That's been got about what five six weeks ago. Anyway, mm-hmm. what I was going to say is that whenever something flash related comes out, I want to know what Tom thinks of it. And Wood, you're probably the um, the biggest Avengers fan that I know. So whenever something's going on with the Avengers, I would definitely bow to to your opinion on stuff because you are very much in the know. I mean, you don't hide There's the fact something. that that that's your team. That that's your book. That is my team. There's something going on that's baffling to me. And David, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it because I know you've noticed it too. I'm, I'm stunned at how well Dark Avengers is selling relative to the other Avengers titles. Like it's handily beating the other Avengers titles every week, every month. And uh, like I can see edgy. it selling. It's edgy. I guess. I mean, but it really is it's just startables, though. It's it's, it's like thunderbolts. It's either, yeah, it's it's either people want to. See, I guess people are waiting to see. Either people love Norman. Or um, oh, that can't be or it. there really are more Century fans than we thought, or uh, <laughs> or it's it's they want to see him stumble and fall. You're just waiting for it, so you. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. It, well, you know, no, no re- one ever re- talks re- about it. The, but it, remember the difference between ordered and sold. Is all I guess. Well, yeah, sure, but sure. it's well, but still. True. I mean, they, it, I don't think. I mean, we're what? Thir- how many issues are in? I would think retailers would have would have scaled Definitely. back a lot if they're still going to be right. sitting exactly. on the shelf. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Um, how many? How many issues in are we? I think seven, and and now and now okay, there's a yeah, there's an X Men yeah. crossover, um, but uh, but I think and and no one really mentions him, but I I think no one's really given any, and I mean I'm not one too, but no one's really given any credit to Diodato for doing the art, and I think that might have something to do with it. Um, it it's, he it's, is he is loved. He is he absolutely is, and and I mean it's and and he he, he can draw a sexy Morgan Le Fay. Um, and, 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 you know, Miss Marvel or Moonstone or whatever you want to call her. It, it's, it's, um, I haven't, it, I'm trade waiting on it because I can wait on that, even though it seems to be ordered, but it's, uh, I read the first two issues and they were funky. I mean, it, I, I like the Dr. Doom interaction. Um, I she think for me, was that the one where Morgan Le Fay could have killed him? She went yeah. back in time to kill him in his, in his I, bed and she didn't do it. She, but I think like she killed Venom. I mean, she was like, she was killing the other, she was killing the Dark Avengers, but she didn't. As far as I know, she didn't kill Doom. Um, or no, Doom went back in time, I think, to mess with her. Or at least yeah. I, I, I'm trying to remember the end of the second issue. But well, no, uh, didn't she say that she didn't because he would not realize that it was Morgan Fay putting the screws to him? So I that's why that's, she left. Okay. I, yeah. I, I, um, but it's. I have to say that uh, uh, you know I haven't been always super complimentary of Dan Slott. Um, I, mean, I know you guys are love much bigger Avengers. fans. I was going to say, so I, I was a little. I, I the one I was most behind on was Mighty, mainly because Slot took over, and I just it, so it kind of took a little back burner. But I have to give him his props for as much as some of the other stuff he's done. I haven't 
dug all as much as, as the consensus. Um, he's telling a fun arc in Mighty Avengers so far. It's uh, it, it's 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 cool seeing Hank Pym not be like a total you know mm-hmm. woe is me clown. Yeah. Um, it's 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 cool to see you know. Um, don't, don't be yeah, it's tied to Dark Rain, but it's cool to see Loki, you know, kind of pulling his shenanigans. I mean, you know, he's got people forget what a long history he has with the Avengers, and uh, it's nice to see him in the foreground. It's cool that they're, you know, it's nice that, that, that the book is actually out from under the Bendis. Uh, I think actually both New Avengers and Mighty are benefiting from the fact that they're being written by two different guys because they actually now feel like separate teams with their own arcs. Yes, which yes. It's been yes. a long time since that had been the case. Um, you know, they're not all just waiting to, to run into each other and decide who's going to arrest who or fight each other. Um, Let's go so, to the yeah. Savage Land. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, um, you know, I have to say, uh, Slot's doing a pretty good job. I mean, there are little things that annoy me, but I think that's just his... He's, he's got a propensity for, for witty, to try and be witty with his dialogue, and sometimes it's spot on, other times I, I kind of think it falls flat, but that's just personal preference. But um, but all in all, i got to give him an A for, for, for what he's done in Mighty so far. Um, and I think Bendis is... Uh, I think New Avengers has been pretty good. I mean, I really enjoyed the the uh the handoff of Doctor Strange to to you know Brother Voodoo. Um I'm really excited for Remender doing the Brother Voodoo uh ongoing. Now I don't have any illusions that it's gonna be a long ongoing series because <laughs> it's Brother Voodoo, but Remender is a uh, is a huge, huge fan of Brother Voodoo and I guess um when it was announced that they were thinking of doing the book, he lobbied hardcore for it. So um you know I, I thought that was handled well. Um I was a little confused as to what happened with the hood because, I mean, at one point, David, I mean, tell me if you agree, at one point I thought the hood, he pretty much, they banished Dormammu, and, and so the hood was no more, but then, like, in other books, like Spidey and, and Mighty, he clearly isn't lost his powers, I mean, he's still the hood, so I don't quite know what happened there, like, I don't know how they got rid of Dormammu, but then he's still the hood, Do did you, you know what I'm talking uh, about? I don't, I, they may have... Are you caught up in New Avengers? I am not caught up in New Avengers. The uh, the last issue of that I read was uh, when they went to uh, Nolans to go get um, Damien. Okay. Okay. Nolans. Yeah, so you haven't gotten that Nolans. Nolans. No, I saw. But I mean, as you can, um, it's. I mean, I'm enjoying the Hood and Punisher right now. So I mean, I, I as far as what he's what's going on in New Avengers, I can't. Um, he's obviously. He still has powers in the Punisher. So whether whether Dormammu is like restricted or limited to just you know the cape and and that's his interaction with with our world, I I, I have no knowledge on on what because uh, Dormammu isn't mentioned. I mean, in the Punisher at all, it's, it's just it's it's Punisher taking on the hood. So it's not uh, okay. I don't know how much Frank knows as far as you know Parker's ties to. To the mystic, so well, it's been. I mean, in terms of comics continuity, it's been known for for I guess since um, but, uh, Civil War that uh, that the hood was powered by Dormammu, but but it hasn't really been or secret in uh, yeah no Civil War at the end of Civil War, but but it hasn't really been touched on much until Dark, and I'm just I was just curious as to it's one of those things where like I read it and I said oh, okay okay that's a that's a that's a cool cool thing but then i guess yeah. he haven't gotten that far but then but then in other books like you said punisher and and a few others he's still kind of going strong running his uh his mob and all that stuff and doing yeah. things so i just uh, i don't know if this was kind of 
one of those things where it's just a little bit out of continuity. Or, like, or, I mean, is it, I mean, this this new Avengers arc's been going on for months yeah. now. So I mean, it's, it, I mean, it, it could all be the over the span of like three days. I mean, they they weren't sitting around that table for two months. That was maybe an hour's worth of conversation at that. So this is this is probably a story arc that even though it's like six, seven issues long, it's yeah, probably yeah. only the course of, of, of three days. True. Oh, and Vince, you're right. Your boy, your boy Damon Hellstorm uh, is uh, in this arc as well. Nice. He was also in Marvel Divas number one. Yes, he was. Yeah. Now, in he Marvel Divas... Yeah. yeah, he he. Uh, in in the in the Avengers arc, he's just absolutely screaming like, like uh, like a bitch at at, uh, at uh, Patsy. He's just. They got him all bald taking... now, though, don't they? No, oh. he's uh, well. In this, uh. he's got like spiky blonde hair that kind of catches fire when he uses his powers. Oh, cool! But in in the Divas, wasn't he uh, bald? No, he he kind of had like this short like nine hundred two one zero type do. Oh, okay. All right, I think that's enough about Avengers. You know why? Because we're we're way over we're, we're time. Way, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All that all that all that con yeah. crud talk. I know. I gotta get to bed, man. I'm got the con crud. Well, I would just yeah, I like gotta, to rem- leave this stuff. <laughs> remind everyone that this episode has been sponsored by DCBS Discount Comic Book Service. Massive, uncontrollable discounts on your books. Online ordering, beautifully secure and safe and fast shipping to your door. Check them out, dcbservice.com. Like I say all the time, they are the best because I mean it. And thanks to everyone who I talked with at the convention and had a great time with and all my friends and everyone that gave me swag and and stuff. And you you guys make my year every year. And even you too, Chris. <laughs> You're awful. <laughs> I love you. So, I do, in your travels, do yourself a huge favor and pick up Star Wars Legacy by John Ostrander and Jan Dursima. Nice. Good, it's good comics. It's really great stuff. Pick it up, read it, keep buying it. And if you want, check out uh, the John Ostrander auction thing that's still going on, right? You can, still, you, can, you can still donate, so give to a worthy cause. John uh, would uh, appreciate I'm speaking for him, even though I don't know him. Comics, I, comicsforsight.com. Right, Is it that's comics it. with an X? Or is it? Yeah, comics with an X. C-O-M-I-X, the number four, S-I-G-H-T.com. Comicsforsight.com. Give back a little bit to a dude Sweet. who has given us so freaking much over the years. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So there you go. Next. All right. Read uh, Uncanny X-Men First Class. Okay. Mm. Read, uh, yeah, definitely read Parker the Hunter. It's <laughs> uh, um, so good. So, so good. Everybody but Dan Nadell thinks so. Who? Wait, who? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody well, give that a bad review? Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Who? Yeah. Wait, Dan who Nad- was it? Pic- picture box is Dan Nadell. Did he really? Oh. Mm-hmm. oh. The, the, the sole negative review so far. Of uh, the book, but you think pretty highly of Dan Ailes, really? Not I do, but Dan can. Not everybody sees eye to eye. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. So, some pe- sometimes people like to be the the lone um, dissenting voice, right. so right. they'll be noticed more. Sure. So sure. Mm-hmm. you never know. because yeah, because if you don't like Parker, you're a communist. <laughs> well, there if you, you have go. an attraction, uh, a connection to the source material, there are some people who are not pleased, no matter how. 
artistic oh, sure, yourself. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. And I was I was saying that very, do very, kind of, very, do very yourself silly. A favor and uh, mm-hmm. stop by her store or get online and uh, if you haven't already, pick up Fear Agent number twenty-seven. And uh, while you're at it, pick up all the uh, other Fear Agent trades and catch up because it's badass. And weep. All right, people. Thank you for spending some time with us. We will be back next week with more shenanigans. Say bye bye. I say bye. Here's good stuff. Oh, God. Sluts. Hold on. Uh,